Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast of the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. I am Andrew. And I'm Chris. And this week we're talking about Akira Kurosawa's classic Seven Samurai. And joining us is special guest Chris. Hello. I've listened to a couple of our other podcasts and I've determined that I'm absolutely terrible at introducing guests. So I feel like what I'm going to do is I'm going to front load this and sort of shove it over to you. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? I can try my very best. Uh, I'm Chris Lavery, uh, a good friend of Andrew's, co-host of the, this wonderful podcast. Not so much a, uh, uh, a film critic as such, more of a film fan with a deep appreciation for the medium. Dabbled in a little bit of reviewing back in the day, but uh, can't say I'm a hard, hardened film journalist like some of your previous guests, perhaps. But just a, a fan willing to give my two cents. Oh, yeah, no. It, well, it, I, I, I believe you're cert- you're more qualified than I. I mean, you're oh. you're you've you've um, you've been doing you've you've been doing some writing as well. So yeah, I, might, I think I blogged once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, did did you say to me that you had an idea of doing a blog about the uh, two fifty? <laughs> that did cross my mind a while so, ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so when you but, when uh, you say until you, know, you got a cease and desist. So when you say you're not as qualified as some of the guests you had, you mean you're the most qualified person <laughs> on this podcast ever, possibly. I was gonna I was gonna wait till I got invited on the podcast and then just shut you down <laughs> from the inside. Board, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a, yeah, it's live a, on air. It's a, it's a way and of finally were. serving us. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's the only way to be sure we'd be in the same place <laughs> yeah. at the same time, really. Is exactly, because uh, Darren and I have a very difficult relationship outside of the podcast. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't so, come up yeah. much, but I mean, yeah, yeah it, it's we're like, like one of those bands. Yeah, or yeah, Siskel that, and Ebert, who yeah. apparently couldn't stand each other off air. <laughs> ah. um, but I mean, they, they work very well on air. I think we have a good chemistry. Well, I hope I can be and here to get attention. No, sorry. Yeah, I think they did, but that's a very grim <laughs> note to. Uh, okay, yeah, we're, we're gonna have really? to. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk about this on air, uh, off air. I think Andrew, if, if this is sort of uh, this is probably an off-air conversation you want to have. Yeah, but um, I'll have so, as a referee if you yeah, want to hash this out right now. Well, yeah, no, we'll we'll probably talk about other plots uh, as we go. Um, I feel like yeah, there are probably there's some grave matters to attend to later on in this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, Chris, actually, we had been uh, wanting to have you on for quite a while. So naturally, we waited until a year and a half into the podcast. <laughs> but one of the one of the reasons was because we asked you to go and to, to pick a movie on the list that you mm. would really want to talk about. Yeah, that's and right. you came back to us with Seven Samurai. Now, before we watched the film, it came to my attention that maybe, perhaps, despite picking Seven Samurai as a movie that you really want to discuss with us, you had never seen Seven Samurai. <laughs> That is correct. It was an unorthodox approach. It's not the first time it's happened on the podcast. <laughs> not a bad idea. No, it's not. I, no, I came to know about Kurosawa many moons ago um, and kind of the whole ni- genre of 1950s Japanese cinema, you know, um, Ozu, Mizuguchi, all those types of auteurs from the time. Kind of had, you know, seen a few of the movies of that era um, and then sidelined to that not getting to know American westerns growing up and things and then yeah. l- learning about the, like how those two influenced each other yeah. so uh, Seven Samurai has been on my list to watch for many many years but you know just never get around to it it's one of those ones that stares you in the face on the, on the, on the shelf and then just never makes it into the DVD player unfortunately but I so thought this is this the 250 be, really helping people fulfill their exactly. dreams exactly see I'm experiencing this for the first time so hopefully you know you're getting a hot take you know this, just sort of fresh from the press yeah. this is my first um, time watching it as well I think it, it, I, while I was growing up at one point I was in like um, one of my parents friends was having a party and it was on 
in the sitting room and nobody watching and me walking in every now and then watching seeing little bits of it and then arriving back like a few hours later being surprised to see that it was still on um yeah this is a now, long movie yeah to yes so, so like i i suppose because seven samurai is the uh, mo- uh, most well known You'd, you'd maybe expect people to, to get into Kurosawa mm. by seeing it first. Mm. I think I, I'd seen your, your Jimbo, mm. Rashomon, um, we, we, we saw Ram one. together. Yeah, uh, Ikiru as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant film, yeah. Absolutely, and and you'll you'll recognise some of the some of so, some of the performers from it, like they um um ba, 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 Toshira uh, Mifune, um, who is basically his Robert De Niro, exactly. Mm. Yeah. And mm. and and you you'll you'll you recognise um, Takashi Shimura from um, Ikiru as well. Yeah. yeah, but no, it is. I mean, I would have seen this years and years ago, 10, 15 years ago, and again, it's we're talking about this at the start where you know you're saying it's, it's at you staring at you on the shelf it's also a movie when you've seen it once it involves a substantial commitment to rewatch it so yes. I, I feel like um you know from my point of view the fact i've only seen it once 15 years ago is not a judgment on the movie's quality it's more on the lack of time that i have to rewatch mm. three and a half hour movies <laughs> time to watch entire series of, of television, of, of television. Of bad television this isn't as long as star trek voyager yeah, I, I, I know but i feel like i've committed myself to star trek voyager uh, much like when i well that, that's the thing about doing like a podcast or doing a blog is you commit yourself to doing it so like there are yeah. i would never yeah. have rewatched and seven it, samurai without an excuse and it's, it's slightly like Less episodic as well, yeah. you know. You can't really only die. slightly yeah. less episodic. Um, nor, nor, nor is this movie as long as the two fifty. Um, <laughs> the podcast, yeah, yeah. Well, there may be an intermission episode. Generally speaking, we've discovered that like a good two fifty episode is roughly the length of the movie that it's covering. So mm. two and a half hours for Jaws, two and a half hours for right. Shawshank. One and three quarter hours for Coco. Less so, than one and a half hours for every uh, movie on the bottom one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Regardless of how long it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And much shorter than they feel. Yeah. The yeah. Often, oftentimes, um, there's, 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 there's sometimes shorter episodes when we have guests. Yeah, because we feel we feel bad about wasting well, your time. I'm happy to be here for the full three and a half hours, you know, like just... <laughs> Let's commit Dig properly. Deep. Yeah, let's, let's sort of get in there. But so in terms of like, so this was your first time watching it. Mm. How did you feel about it? Was it satisfying? Was it everything that you hoped it would be? Was it more? Was it less? Did you feel like you'd seen a lot of it before even? Because I mean, it is hugely influential. Exactly. I mean, coming to this for the first time, but then having known a lot of the things that had come after it, the, the films that had influenced it. Yeah. Or that it had influenced. influenced. Sorry, yeah. Um, well, both. It's, yeah. 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 It was it was very easy to acclimatize and be like, oh, this is you know, this, this is this, this is the influence this is this other bit, Yeah, um, I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was excellent. But three and a half hour film, you know, didn't feel like Jesus. When is this ending? Do you know? Yeah. It, was, mm. it was very much. It was kind of it was kept the right moving. length. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is something to say for a three. It was, and like, half it was hour almost like the director's cut of the Magnificent Seven. Do you know, you get a bit more backstory. And <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, Okay. And it was, it was it was it was suspenseful and it it felt kind of like intentionally long at points. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Well, I've been likened to um, and again all all the readers like Richard Brody in the New Yorker has described it as like if you gave Homer uh, you know the, the Greek poet a camera you would end up with something like the Seven Samurai mm. because its yeah. its length is sort of like its epic poetry yeah. that allows you to sort of 
sort of flesh out and to dig in. And like every member of the team gets a bit of backstory, yeah. a bit of history, and a small character arc in, in most cases as it's well. Just, yeah, it's very and reflexive in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. And you, like you, you, you also have some kind of superfluous stuff to, to show the kind of uh, amount of endeavor that they have to go through to. To, <laughs> to accomplish this. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the movie starts with a um, farmer's. Mm. Have this uh, well. Um, they they realize that they're about to be attacked again by these bandits. Yeah. It was very funny when, like, in the first fifteen minutes, the bandits arrive and they say, "Let's um, let's uh, go, let's go rob this place. <laughs> let's go rob this place." So it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. We already <laughs> robbed all of their rice. Uh, let's let's come back when they've uh, harvested the barley, so they've something worth stealing. <laughs> Like, okay, guess you got a point. Next village. Um, yeah. It's, so, it's like, let's still rob them. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's optimize our robbery. Like, yeah, I feel like, like we, we could do better at this, guys. Yeah. Bandits are already jaded. It's like, oh, gosh, guys, <laughs> we've done they're... this one already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Move on, please. Can we just rob a new village? <laughs> Three and a half hours the last time. I feel like we're lacking ambition, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, but it is remarkable because... It's a big it, commitment. It takes, like, in that's in the first ten minutes, and the bandits don't appear for another, like, two hours yeah. Half almost into the yeah, because um, the they, so they have to find the um, samurai. The samurai. Them. So it's not like they in in turn meet all of the uh, seven samurai. It's it's they besiege <laughs> someone to be a samurai. They were like refused. Then they get one who's <laughs> completely useless. Yeah. Then they, they, they have they another get... one who's pretty good who we never see again. Who just like uh, <laughs> it's like. I don't like the way you do things here. And it's like, well, we're very sorry. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> so you have all the of these... The exit interview process. Yes. Yes. Like, my feelings now. Yeah, yeah. I, I have, have a feeling we'll death. see him again. We don't. <laughs> yeah. I love the, yeah. I love the idea of there being, how would you improve your next samurai experience? It's like, it's a learning curve. But... I think when you talk about the length of the film and the film feeling just the right length, that's the sort of stuff mm. that really works in the film is the mm. sense that you, you, you point out you get to see how hard everything is for them. Just in the process yeah. of like hiring a single samurai in this movie I takes mean, 45 yeah. minutes. <laughs> there, there are certain things that probably wouldn't wouldn't be Missed. they wouldn't be led away with in, in, in like making a movie. Like repeatedly uh, characters set up the uh, scenario for the sake of the characters in the movie, because the audience have already been told. Oh. So, so like the the samurais are saying, yeah, it's uh, we're not going to be paid very much for this. We're only going to be fed, um, and it's dangerous. And, and they repeat that they, six times. Yeah. Um, it's like it's enough to say that to the one guy and assume that you're yeah. it off screen. Yeah. So you yeah. can assume that the six guys you're left with at the end understand the basic premise of it. But it's like no contractual clearance. Yeah. We have yeah. to make this informed consent. Because yeah. pe- pe- people is uh, like making those. Everything wrong with the seven samurai in five minutes <laughs> yeah. video opening. How did the six of them know? Uh, yeah. 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 Like, the picking the movie apart. apart. Yeah, I, yeah. I love the idea that Kurosawa is sitting there in like 1954 <laughs> with his writers going, you know, in about 60 years, there are going to be people on, I don't know, let's call it an internet. Uh, and they will be nitpicking everything. I want this script watertight. Mm. Um, mm. But it is. And I feel like it, it works really, really well. Yeah. Like, I feel like, and I feel like the length of the film in many ways sort of mm. gives it it's not just a sense of like 
setup and payoff. It's also mm. a sense of like giving a, a context for who these people are and what they do. Mm. And mm. also just like underscoring how difficult some of the stuff that they do in the movie is. Because it's, it's very much the prototypical action movie. We'll talk about that when we get to the spoiler zone. How like in many ways Seven Samurai is like I would argue a template for mm. not only the, the westerns that, that Chris alluded to. But also just in terms of like basic storytelling that we take for granted in action mm. movies. And there's like several exact examples like if you put sylvester stallone in the seven samurai you would have like 10 decent sylvester stallone movies just stitched together from bits and pieces expendables (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much well the expendables is like if you do it and they're all old but you also have like a cliffhanger bit at the start where there's like okay there's a child and he's got to go in there and rescue him he's got to do something you know you got that sort of added aspect to it as well Mm. yeah and you got that sort of oh there yeah oh it's great yeah Mm. there's like a moment where it's like where it feels almost like uh yeah, like Rambo as well, where it's like, okay, well, these are like former soldiers who like who need to make peace, but also need to make war. Yeah, um, and you got that sort of wonderful thing as well. So like, and also who have a history with each other as well yeah. prior to this. Yeah, yeah. No, so it is. It's very much like it's every action movie cliche ever, like before they were cliches, which makes it all the more <laughs> remarkable watching it now. I think. Mm. But where 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 are they going to find samurais? You go to samurai town. <laughs> 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 it's just this wonderful shot of samurais wandering by. It's like, okay, well, that one's a little chubby. Yeah. That one is yeah. eating on the job. Those two him. have a mean stare. Yeah. Um, he like... looks like he brings his own sword. I like yeah. him. This one is playing with the children in the street. He seems like our kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. They didn't go into a cantina at any point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to recruit. Yeah. But I mean, you, you say that as if as if this wasn't a massive influence on that as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right down to like Star, right down to Wipes as well and all this mm. sort of stuff. But I mean, well, we'll talk about that when we get to the spoilers. I'm just generally though, right? Just to get down to brass tacks. Because like, let's face it, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched The Seven Samurai, you're probably going to want to start as soon as possible. So, Chris... <laughs> Three questions. Go. Do you think that this movie belongs on the 250? Would it be on your 250? And would you recommend the listeners on listening to this podcast who haven't seen it already, pause the podcast, go out, watch it, and come back and listen to us? Um, yes to all three. Absolutely. I feel like it's it's emblematic of amazing cinema. Um, it would definitely be in my 250. It has been for years. I just haven't got around to watching it until today. And yeah, like I mean, it's three and a half hours, but it's, it's not like... Lord of the Rings, you know, overly long. It's it's good. Well, you can pause at the intermission and do it in yeah. two parts, for example. Yeah. Like, I mean, there were a lot of other Japanese films around the same time that would have been a similar length that mm. would have actually been released in, in two parts. I think this was the longest film, um, the longest film in the immediate, since the end of the Second World War, and the previous film of a similar length, which was, I think, three hours and a quarter, has actually been cut in half mm. and released in two parts for audience consumption. So you could almost watch the movie in two parts you if you wanted. Yeah. I feel like Ran was quite long, wasn't it? Ran was quite like wasn't yeah. this long? Though, no, it was, no, no. It was of a similar. Like, I, I I thought that the, 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 um, my recollection of other Kurosawa movies were that they were nowhere near as long as this, mm. aside from Ran. Yeah, well, Akira yeah. is two and a half hours, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's okay. okay. Yeah. Keep in mind, he was not not hitting three hours anyway. No, no, no. Keep in mind, he did edit his own films as well, largely. Like, I mean, obviously, he had an editor, but he had a tendency to very enthusiastically edit the films that he was doing yeah. as he was shooting them as well so uh, imagine, yeah. imagine being the editor on those films like do you think we could cut this bit out no it stays in <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> but, uh, 
you you know you promised the distributors a two hour cut. Like, ah, details, details. Yeah. It did actually got a much shorter uh, cut for the US in its original release. I think it was two hours and twenty minutes. Mm. Uh, and you kind of wonder what they cut from it to get to get it to that length. There are no villagers. That is, that is the compromise that we have made. It's there are like... just samurai and bandits. <laughs> And isn't it the thing about Kurosawa that he doesn't do any takes, but he does tons of rehearsals? Yes. So it's like with with with, with some Clint Eastwood movies, you 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 <laughs> can you can tell like um, you can tell that 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 there weren't many takes. Yeah. But, but <laughs> like yeah, Clint Eastwood movies are are, are great, it, yeah. but some some of the you would think like oh, maybe that could have done with another yeah. take, but I know it's mm. not his taste to do yeah, it. It's like with the, with, Cut, move on. <laughs> with, exactly. With with this, you can't really tell that that mm. that it was one take. I guess because of the amount of rehearsal, and mm. also there are other factors as well in terms of technical production. But we'll talk mm. about those when we get to scores. And like as Seven Samurai was, yeah, yeah, was usually innovative in terms of how Kurosawa made films, in terms of how Japan made films, yeah. and then obviously in terms of how the rest of the world made films as well. Like, mm. and a lot of that's down to Kurosawa's preference to get everything in one take as opposed to doing it over and over again mm. um actually out of curiosity guys would you consider this would this be your favorite kurosawa film how would you rank it in terms of like the the canon of of kurosawa i mean i i would i would i mean i'd enjoy i think it's i think it's definitely up there i mean i've I'm, i've doubled in kurosawa compared to something like yojimbo i think this is i think far superior you can see this is, I think, one of the this biggest the, budget yeah. film in Japan made. Yep, it was. It cost half a million dollars yeah. to make. The production is mm. a an amazing story. Yeah. Like, you want to get to Kurosawa as difficult auteur. The, the production of this is fantastic. Yeah. But the average production of a Toho studio film at this point was 70 grand uh, mm. in American dollars. Mm. This cost half a million. Um, also, at the same time, they were making uh, Godzilla, uh, which also cost significantly more than 70,000 to the point where they almost went bankrupt in 1954 making these two films that these two films are obviously like cultural landmarks mm. now but it's kind of fun to imagine being a studio executive in 1954 going well look don't worry if this one runs over budget at least we've got this other film over here that'll deliver um but yeah it's 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 uh, it was a very very expensive mm. film yeah, maybe maybe they they got Kurosawa to do Akira next. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, yeah, let, let's keep the budget low on this one. Yeah. Kind of um, something intimate. Yeah, yeah. something sort of small yeah. and focused, basically. Um, but yeah, well, this was his first samurai film as well. Despite the fact mm. we think of Kurosawa as a samurai director, because mm. even like Lo- Yojimbo came later. And mm. stuff like that. Yeah, I I I um I suppose I'd have to go back and watch Yojimbo, but I I. I'm not certain if I. I'm not certain if I would put. I. I know. I know. Yojimbo was made kind of as. Um, I think the public were kind of baying for him to make more, more samurai, samurai movies. Yeah. So that 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 Yojimbo was uh, kind of like. Um, I suppose in in some senses a bit of a cash in, but I I I, I really. Um, I really quite like you, Jim. I I I, 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 don't, I don't know if I'd um, put necessarily this put this ahead of it. Well, I mean, I think I, with Yojimbo as well, there's a sense that he's playing with like yeah. what he's established here. Like I think, mm. like Seven Samurai is basically like laying down like this is this is how you make a samurai film. There have been mm. samurai films made before. I mean, Toho was doing I think the uh, the samurai trilogy at the moment, which was their first project in color. But like this was this is how you make a samurai film, and then later on, Yojimbo, it's kind of playful or subversive in some yeah, ways and how it approaches yeah. the idea of like a samurai in a way that like this obviously is in some respects but it's also more conventional i think yeah, yeah. I like think just, this is archetypal perhaps yeah i think just the scale of it and the fact it was unprecedented at the time i yeah. think sets it as as a bit of a landmark certainly in in samurai movies mm. at the time 
which I think, yeah, maybe it's 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 has pros and cons compared to the likes of his later work as well. Yeah. But um, I think as an example of what's the word like stereotypical samurai movie like if you were if yeah, this was your first craft, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. You wanted, yeah. if this was going to be your first introduction to it if you can yeah. if you don't mind the three and a half hours yeah. you know it's it's going to give you a good it'll grounding. give you everything yeah. it's, a good, it's a buffet basically yeah. and like later on you can choose to specialise if you want that's exactly yeah. um, and I, I would sort of agree with that it wouldn't be my favourite Kurosawa film I much prefer like Rashomon or um, I think even Ran I probably liked a bit better than this um, really yeah I mean, like, and I feel like part of it is down to the fact that, and again, like, I, admiring it is as beautiful and as perfect as it is, and it is pretty much close to perfect, despite yeah. being three and a half hours long, which is amazing, because that's, that's a whole lot of time in which to mess things up, but yeah. somehow it doesn't. But it's also the fact that I have seen so much of it before filtered back, and I would have seen it before I saw this, which is my mm. problem and not the movie's problem, if yeah. that makes sense. Ran was very helpful in that it was in colour and they colour coded all of the <laughs> yeah. different clans well, so famously, you can always tell famously because Kurosawa's eyesight at that stage was deteriorating and he wanted to be able to direct battle scenes from a distance uh, but yeah that's why he colour coded them yeah yeah you know all, all the um, primary colours <laughs> yeah. yeah. with their banners and their bannermen and stuff like that yeah um, so but, I like the yellow one to smell <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so the yellow's gonna hit the red and the, yeah. and the red's gonna hit back is, the, is it like the, filmmaking by numbers is yeah, the, <laughs> the, the creator of Power Rangers also had very bad eyesight. Yeah, yeah. the pink one. I want the pink one to fight the yellow one and the green one. But yeah, no, I, I would also recommend going to see this, to be absolutely clear. Um, absolutely. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I think it belongs on the list. Maybe it wouldn't be on my list, but that's I'm willing to admit my shortcoming more than the list. So with that in mind then, guys, because you only, you know, it's about three and a half hours long. If you haven't seen the movie, we're pause the podcast here, go off, watch the movie, come back. We'll talk about it in a bit more depth after the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. So, Chris, what is Seven Samurai about for you? What is Seven? Well, I'll take hopefully a bit less than three and a half hours, but um, it basically centers around a, a village in rural Japan in, I think it's the 1600s? 16th century, yeah. Yeah. Or, um, Around yeah, four hundred years ago. Yeah, um, and they they've been raided by bandits in the past, and this particular village. So instead of, you know, laying down and letting them get robbed again, they go and seek some professional assistance mm. to uh, repel the next. I, I like how you attack. do make it sound like a directory. It's like rate my samurai. It's like they, <laughs> yeah. they go off, they check the directory. It's like okay, well this guy's got a four star rating. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like it's like um, he's you got know, trip advisor for samurai. Like, yeah, three yen symbols next to him. He's you know it's a little out of our league. Two thumbs up for this samurai. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, which he cut off. Uh, <laughs> seven seven uh, men with vans. <laughs> Oh, I like it. Um, <laughs> That's what you call bands, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the plural of bands. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah. Um, so yes, they go out and they and they um, they recruit these um, relatively able samurai to help defend their village and hijinks and shoe. But what is it about the film that sort of speaks to you? Like, you, what was it about it that made you? you know, want to see it beyond it being like a Kurosawa film, it being important. And, and like, after you watched it, what is it that you loved mm. about it? What is it that made you say, this belongs on the 250 or this belongs on my 250 or... It was, it was... He yes. always does things. Right? <laughs> just to be clear, um, yeah. <laughs> Andrew is quite glad when we guess on because no. only, only I asked Andrew this question. No, like like yourself, um, I, I, I've, I came to it almost backwards, ha- having seen the films that came after. 
and then tracing it back to its its first kind of thing. So recognizing where those those kind of similar tropes have come from, and 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 then a great, gaining a greater appreciation. But then also, I think just the characterization. And yes, it's three and a half hours long, um, but there's time to get to know all the main players. There's time to actually. Um, understand them almost. Yeah, and, and the yeah. world they live in as well and even really even nice. you, you even understand the plight of these villagers you know that like mm. you you know you see the desperation and you know that's that that kind of first half of the film where they're 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 recruiting these samurai you 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 can see like the desperation in them yeah um, well they get to fail which is as andrew pointed out like the thing about seven samurai one of the reasons that it worked so well for me is because you actually get to see them fail at what they're doing, mm. which makes the fact that they succeed seem more momentous. It's mm. not; it doesn't feel as you know. Obviously, you know that they will succeed in some small sense or way or form because it's it's a movie and it'll have a happy ending or whatever. But like, you get to see them fail and struggle, and they have to fight to win that. And, yeah. yeah. So, so you're waiting for them to because you've seen the title of the movie Seven yeah. Samurai. Yeah. So you're waiting for them to get the seven. Yeah. Which they don't uh, even really do. Five and a half. Yeah. <laughs> they, they get like one who's who's a child. Yeah, like one who's a, in training. A page, I guess. It's and, like it's and, like and one who's pretending. Yeah. It's, it's like samurai as fantasy football. It's like you blow your budget on the first three who are really yeah. good. They get and a few like, oh, free get edges. A few. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, I mean, well, that that was the pitch when they went to the Zelda. He's like, well, I I said four. I was yeah. hoping you get ten. Um, <laughs> you came back with seven. I suppose yeah. that's good enough. What's it called, uh, uh, Ben? and Hedges from, from that um, what was it Mick Bassett England manager oh. <laughs> where he's put like a, a list of like players that he once kind of scouted but he had also written like uh, he he wanted a packet of cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> he's fellas from the third division of Benson and Hedges anyway nice I like that but uh, yeah uh, yeah there, there's a certain element of that to it like because one of the things that's interesting about well there's okay there are lots of things that are interesting about Seven Samurai but in particular there's a sense of almost like deconstruction mm. uh, about it something about like stripping away say some of the romance that you would mm. associate with the Samurai era uh, most obviously with say the fact that after the Second World War like Samurai films were always popular in Japan obviously because same reason that Westerns were always popular in the States you know mm. romantic period of history you have like a code of honor it's also a period of you know the films tend to look good so they're always sort of attractive to Japanese filmmakers Japanese audiences mm. Um, mm. and after the Second World War there's actually there was a slight decline in the number produced actually just overall as an average right but those that were produced tended to be set during the Edo era mm. uh, which I believe is later uh, than the era where this is set which is the Sheng uh, Shingoka, uh, Shingoku uh, period um, and the idea was that the Edo period was a period of stability a period of like nobility a period of like order mm. existing whereas this period the period in which this is set is like after the decline of the, the earlier reign of emperors at mm. which point you have like all these local warlords fighting and you have all this sort of like tension and you have this idea of like a breakdown of civil order and stuff like mm. that and like one of the things about that they, was a, they, they don't go for a screen crawl it's a period of civil war no it it does though have an introductory text that explains what this is and what the context is because it is it's set during a period of civil strife as opposed to a period of honor and like Mm. repeatedly throughout the film there's emphasis on the fact that being a samurai you know sure there are nice samurai and the idea of samurai is pretty great but 
generally speaking, it's crap, and the people who do it are probably crap as yeah. well. Like, I mean, the fact that the bandits who are conducting the raid and doing the robbery, it seems to be implied that if they're not former samurai themselves, they are, like, they've murdered massive amounts of samurai yeah. because they're all wearing samurai armor. Yeah. Or, like, the remains or tattered remains of samurai armor and stuff like that. I think in, like, a lot of, kind of, Kurosawa's samurai movies, he actually went to, kind of, maybe almost deconstruct that myth yeah. of kind of yeah. these honourable warriors, you know. They're, like, because they're not, they weren't perfect and he always no. um, portrayed them as so, like. Yeah. They're, 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 they're often, um, how do you say, uh, Ronin as well. So mm. they're, they're, they're often, yeah, they uh, don't belong to any clan, mm. which kind of emphasizes their kind of mercenary kind of quality. Qual- quality yeah. Cause they're like, I mean, they, they don't have any, Established loyalty when 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 we kind of meet them. Mm. The same in I think in Yojimbo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where and where and especially in I think Yojimbo because he's kind of um, uh, working all of the different sides and yeah. kind of like going. So he for literally it. has no clan. He's yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He has yeah. no loyalty. He's pitting them all against one another. And in Yojimbo, he's depicted as as almost like a, you know, a, a flea bitten kind of. A homeless man almost he's just a he's just a, a wanderer yeah, a straggler yeah. to that, know and... that, that's the thing i love about your yoshiro um sorry um uh, I, I beg your pardon toshiro mifuni yeah. um, you'll we'll, we'll we'll have a lot of that but, yeah. uh, but getting, <laughs> yeah. getting getting uh, names also slightly wrong is is uh, oh, like or sometimes more than also let's <laughs> manage expectations <laughs> His performances in a lot of these movies, it's all it, it, he he tends to do um, a very kind of like feral and kind of pestilent character. Yeah. Very, like really kind of atavistic. They 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 scratch themselves. Yeah. They, yes. they, 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 they're he, hairy. He kinda, they're scruffy. He kind of sniffs like yeah. he's like he's a, a bear or, or or a dog when he's like. Uh, very little impulse control, even in some yeah, places. He's, yeah, he's he's even like scratching the ground with it, with it, with it, with his with a his bit, leg, a bit, like a, a dog. Feral, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's interesting is obviously that this actor would go on to become one of like the actors associated with Kurosawa. His sort of the Robert De Niro to his, you know, Martin Scorsese, for example, or mm. the yeah. Jimmy Stewart to his Frank Capra, and yeah. that sort of stuff. The Grace Kelly to his Alfred Hitchcock. But Although he's of, he's he's more like Al, Al Pacino. It's like ferocious, isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how he's introduced it's I mean, like oh this guy's ferocious <laughs> but that's that's the thing like one of the, the great quote that i have from kurosawa about working with him like because kurosawa has basically gone like i generally you know actors i don't really like working with actors i have to work with actors because i'm a writer <laughs> and a director they're kind of part of the process so i have to hire them i have to give them a script i have to tell them what to do but one of the reasons why he liked working with this guy was that it takes the average japanese film actor 10 meters of film to convey an emotion this guy can do it in three um, and you get a real sense of that with the performance here because it's a very big very showy mm. performance even in the scenes where he's in the background you know or above yeah. the ensemble it's very like it is ferocious ain't i it's like yeah, yeah. we can't think... do it we can't do impressions of him yeah because <laughs> <laughs> that darren's established that already we, we had a sensitivity but also because it's we like, don't hey, speak Darren, japanese I, I have a question about what's okay <laughs> no. hey. uh, also because he speaks just japanese. so confused yeah. <laughs> like, i realized 
because you took Japanese for a couple of summers, Andrew. And you want to try and impersonate me? Because this is what it was building to this day. Yeah, you really off. I mean, it's but this is the thing because obviously, and we talked about this in the podcast before. When we're watching foreign films, it's very hard to sometimes get a sense of like the nuance of a performance to get like the subtle read because obviously so much of it is like tone it's emphasis and a lot of that's lost in translation and accents it's very hard to pick up when an actor's stressing mm. a certain word or where like a, a pause a dramatic pause falls mm. in a sentence when an actor's saying it in a foreign language with this guy mm. I get a sense that everything's on screen like it, yeah. yeah like and, it, yeah. and the, the, to Takashi Shimura is kind of the yin to his yang because he, he, he always has a very kind of restrained yeah Sort of, sort of stoic. Yeah, yeah, and he, like, um, silent kind of... Um, well, zen quality. Yeah, so yeah. Being sort of stereotypical or cliche about it, but yeah. Yeah, where, 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 where it's all kind of in, a, in, in, in his face, but it's not... Um, there's no kind of exaggeration or uh, real kind of outward kind of emot- emoting. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a, a single kind of... Um, stable expression on his face yeah. it's Robert De Niro in Heat as compared to Al Pacino in Heat yeah, yeah. there we go um, <laughs> there we are all we needed was a, a cafe scene and it was pretty perfect <laughs> yeah you do what you do best you stop bandits I do what I do best I also stop bandits um, because we're on the same team this um, but yeah one of the things that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. one, whatever the Japanese for who are um, but one of the things I actually really like about it is that there's a sense the film is in some ways about that honor culture in mm. some ways it's about exploring like the class system that exists it's telling that one of the first things that the the main character does like when we're introduced to the first of the samurai what he's doing is he's chopping off the top knot at the top of his hair which is a big mm. deal in samurai culture um it's worth noting by the way kurosawa's family would have descended from a samurai clan and in fact yeah. like even when he was growing up his father was a harsh disciplinarian who would have enforced many mm. of the values of that. So he would have, for example, been up at five o'clock to go... Killing and, ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the cultural sensitivity training works wonders. Um, but he... <laughs> Would have been doing runs, <laughs> gathering materials, like bringing yeah. stuff back, stopping at the shrine to play and then uh, to pray, and then going to school at eight thirty a.m. Yeah. after being exhausted, mm. uh, which explains a lot about Kurosawa's sort of aesthetic later on, where he's well, just like a working machine. Yeah. Well, he tells that version of the story. Everyone else in the story had a different um, <laughs> account of what happened. Yeah. I would like, love to see the Russian no, version of it. <laughs> no, he mostly just goofed around for two hours before going yeah. to school. Yeah, I remember that day. He got up at eight yeah. and kind of stayed in his room and had like his hand against the door when I tried to get. Up. Yeah, but um, sorry, but yeah. So it's, it's so like that's the background curse I, I was think, coming from. I think that makes sense. The fact if he's if he's, his family comes from that kind of that lineage that yeah. maybe in his in his own work he's with a disciplinary father he's trying to almost deconstruct that myth in his own work as a as an adult. Mm. You know. Yeah. And there's there's a lot to do with kind of society in Japan, yeah. as in the there's when 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 they arrive in because they kind of um, uh, Kurosawa likes to kind of reflect this in his movies. This kind of inversion of what was once noble has has mm. has become kind of um, inferior. Where 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 there's all of these kind of um loin loincloth wearing kind of unibrow kind of um, the uh, kind of um 
they, they, they kind of li- live in filth and they laugh like kind of jackals. But at one point they say, I'm glad I wasn't born a farmer. <laughs> Be- because they're more high sti- status yeah. Yeah. than, than the, farmers. the farmers because yeah. they live in the cities. And, and they're, they're kind of like living off like fighting and stealing uh, and gambling yeah yeah Footloose yeah. yeah. fancy free bachelors you know <laughs> yeah, the town yeah. you know and where where you're, you're and nobody's gonna tell them what to do with their <laughs> yeah <universe>. exactly <laughs> so like like the 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 um and the 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 bandits um seem to kind of like a whole more of a status because we just have to kind of like live with whatever <laughs> whatever happens to us and it, it's our loss in life to suffer this mm. yeah. and we we have no recourse to the Kind of the, the, the government, or government has, yeah. has kind of broken down, and they, they won't. They notice us. if we hung ourselves. Yeah, if we surrendered all the they'll, grain and hung ourselves. They'll turn be... up after yeah. to to kind of like take an account of of, of what's been stolen and <laughs> yeah. probably to tax us as well. Yeah, yeah. I lo- it... Oh, you you had all that. Well, you should have paid tax on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just deduct that. You know, yeah, bandit theft is not deductible after the yeah. first year. After the first, uh, first they have to price. pay a gift tax if, <laughs> yeah. if they get something stolen from them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, well let me, you, you say that as if, like, because I was there's a wonderful line early in the movie where the villagers are sort of gathered round complaining about existing with the the bandits, and it reminded me of a line that was very similar in Ran, which was "We were born to suffer," <laughs> uh, which is a very Kurosawa sentiment in some way, shape, or form. Because it re- it reminds you there's a similar bit where you know man is what's he he he's born laughing and he dies crying, or he's born crying and he dies laughing, you know. We weep and we wail in this valley of suffering. With the the gesture um, in in Ran has a similar sort of sentiment going yeah, on there I as well. Th- I think, but, yeah, I think later on in like towards the uh, the final denouement, like there was a there was a, there was a, a scene between the two love interests, and uh, it was like, are we going to survive this? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh right, okay, it's probably. Like, Sugarcoat it, why don't what's you? going to make you take those clothes off? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna like say that, no. I do like that her response is probably. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even give me a straight answer, but I'll take it. It's, yeah. it's, 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 but there, there is that sort of uh, sense of like cynicism about like class running through the film. So, for example, like the first samurai is introduced chopping his own topknot off, which is like basically removing his status as a samurai. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where, like, when Kurosawa did uh, Harry Carey um, later on in like the sixties. The early scenes of that feature the the lead character basically chopping the mm-hmm. top knots off his opponents, knowing that they will commit ritual suicide because losing it is a loss of status and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I mean, there's a sense in the film that it's predicated on the idea that samurai, when you become a samurai, when you're a member of the samurai class, right, you are, despite the fact that you are a warrior, and you are like the, you know, you're the stereotypical, like, idealized representation of a Japanese, a Bushido, the honor code or whatever, you're limited and restricted by that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and I think that uh, Kurosawa pointed this out in interviews and people who've talked about the film talk, have pointed this out as well, which is that like, when you're a samurai and, and you can't be a samurai anymore, when you become a, a ronin, you can't become a farmer because that's beneath you. You can't navigate out of your caste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you literally have no option left to you but to become a bandit mm-hmm. uh, because the caste structure is so rigid. And like, you get this sort of like, this thing that plays throughout the film where you have this idea of like caste and structure and you have this idea of like when the farmers come to town the people who they're rooming with won't make eye contact with them they mm. won't look at them for example the the you know the first samurai they meet kicks them down the street for example yeah. you know uh, because he you know he he doesn't want to interact with farmers you know what do they he, you know he's not a charity case 
that yeah. sort of stuff happening. But you even have, have sort of stuff later on in the movie where you're sort of talking about, uh, like, when the, the, when the first samurai, when they recruit the, when they audition the first member of the team and they come in and, like, he asks his apprentice to stand by the door and to hit them over the head with a stick, right? Um, which is a great, great auditioning practice. I feel like that's, you know, they didn't have their sensitivity training, Andrew, for that, for that interview purpose. But, like, it's very telling that in many ways the audition in that case is not so much, like, are you fast enough to parry the blow as it comes at you from the side? The audition seems to be as much like, well, when you find out that this is how we're auditioning you, mm. how cool are you with that? Yeah. <laughs> um, because the first time is like, you have offended me. And it's like, okay, I cannot, I will not possibly stand for this. And I will leave. And there's this sort of like hypocrisy about it. He yeah. was good. He, he, he I liked him. Who's <laughs> 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 <He's> next? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was, because there, there was sort of like, uh, yeah, there, there's that sort of idea that, like, despite the fact that you can be a good samurai and not be a good human being. Yeah. And, like, in fact, because of what the, the class system has, like, structured and sort of taught you is important, it's very difficult for you to be both a good samurai mm. and a good human being. And, like, the fact that the seven samurai that they end up putting together are, you know, in many ways not the A-team. Yeah. Like, one of them can barely chop wood. One of them isn't a samurai. He's pretty good yeah. at chopping wood. Well, he, he misses his last swing. He was put off, wasn't he? He was put off because the other guy pointed out that, you know, when you're a samurai, you tend to have to kill your enemies rather than run away from them. Yeah. yeah. Controversial no, approach. He was brought along for moral support, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hilarious. He's a joke for the podcast. Because yeah. it's like... He'll he'll keep this fun. Ah, oh, he's dead. He's the first one yeah. to die. Uh, <laughs> he's, it's he's not also, it's not so funny now. Yeah. <laughs> he's also the redundant like, samurai because he's the second bit of comic relief as well. <laughs> like you have to wonder when they hired the you know the, the not samurai guy. Um, like was he like uh oh my, my my role in this ensemble has just been duplicated. Um, I'm I'm gonna be the first to die. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna get shot um, before the attack on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> It's um, it's always the the uh, uh, Asian guy goes first <laughs> yeah. in these movies. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like Kurosawa played into cliche when it came. Yeah, to that. yeah. So now, now it's the comic relief is the token. <laughs> Interesting enough, though. Do you think? And I, I'm kind of curious about this, right? Because this is one of the things about discussing Kurosawa's work after the Second World War. Because mm. obviously, during the Second World War, he worked he worked at Toho, and he would have he would have worked on. Um, he would have worked on propaganda pieces. And, like, there's various arguments about his propaganda pieces, like whether or not they were more or less sensitive than other propaganda pieces produced at the time by the mm. studios and whether or not, like, he was more pacifist and humanist and stuff like that. But there's also an argument about some of his work immediately after the Second World War, where there's a sense of, like, trying to get a sense of where Kurosawa stands with regards to where Japanese mm. society is at this point. Mm. And, like, watching the film, I was kind of taken and wondering, like, is this a Second World War film in some regards? Because it's got that sort of... And it's particularly because the way the battle is presented. Like, when you look at, say, The Magnificent Seven, either version of The Magnificent Seven, when they present the bandit raid on the village, it's generally like it's a bang, 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 done. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a solid... It's a half hour of action, but it unfolds over, like, maybe an hour of time yeah. for the characters. Whereas, like, the battle at the end of The Seven Samurai 
it's pretty much a war mm. and it's presented as it's a, a number war. of battles yeah it is fought over an Drawn extended out. period of days like there's a scene where they go planning you know where they have a little map and they mark strategic points and they're sort of like yeah well this is like we're going to plant men yeah. here you need seven men protecting this like kevin McAllister. yeah <laughs> yeah it's basically it's like a, like a second world war film or home alone yeah one of those two extremes well, i think kurosawa like started making his samurai movies i may not have this right but to to be able to critique modern Japan at that time, yeah. but without you know being able to remove it from modern day times, to be able to yeah, to you know, flesh out that critique yeah. and yeah. You know. well, I mean yeah, all all his films and he's he said this himself. All his films, no matter where they're set, are about the Japan in which they yeah. were made. Like mm. I mean, there's an argument that like Japan in the post war period, and this is another word that Darren's going to horribly mangle. Um, <laughs> koyodatsu. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll go with that. I'll, but the idea was that it was like it was like a period of shame. It was a period mm. where like Japanese identity was sort of struggling during the American occupation, mm. struggling to sort of define itself and sort of like a period of lethargy, I think, is, is how it's directly translated. Mm. And there's almost like a sense of that. And, and Darren was looking at me to pronounce it, but if I pronounced it, he'd have to bleep me. Kyodatsu. <laughs> 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 Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, there's <laughs> too much of pasty. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's <laughs> sure yeah, okay, yeah, that's fine. That. but um there is a sense of like that in the film itself in that like you have these villagers who have like reconciled themselves mm. to suffering mm. and to like to you know having it inflicted upon them but then you have this idea of like you know that the samurai showing up and like giving purpose to them yeah. and in many ways like rejecting the rigid caste system that come before like because you end up with like the samurai doing farm work and the, the farmers becoming samurai in some respect mm. as well. You have this blending of the caste system that would not have been possible, obviously, in the period of Japan where it was set, but also mm. could be seen in some ways as a rejection of like the, the rigid military, sort of like imperial mm. kind of caste system yeah. of, of imperial Japan. You um, have this kind of unintended integration. Yeah. That yeah. I suppose they didn't see, um, that they didn't foresee kind of coming in. Because they said, let's kind of take, take what we can. But actually, it, 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 it was... It was more that they were going for the fun of it. Yes, that's a <laughs> they great They don't line. have it's... enough kind of excitement yeah. in their life. And it, it, it's like, this would be a lot of fun. It would be, it'd be like those other times where we lost our friends. It's just the two of us now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try and recapture those heady days. Yeah. 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 I'm, not, I'm not doing it because... I'm, I'm sympathetic to the farmers. I'm not doing it because of them. I'm doing yeah. it because of you. And this sounds like a fun time. There's, yeah, there's the other guy who's like, oh. I'll do it. But not because I want to defend the farmers. But because I want to hone my skills as a farmer. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want and, to hone my skills at killing. And listen, there's um, um, so so Kuzo uh, wants to ho, ho, uh, hone his skills. Mm. Is this uh, Gorbai Katayama figures it'll, it'll be a lot, be of, fun. It'll be a lot yeah. of fun? Yeah, yeah there, there's um, there's also ba, 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 I'm trying to go through all of the the different the different names for them. Okay, there's, so there's... um. So there's Kambai, who seems to be, he's the leader, who's honestly motivated by, like, basic yeah. decency. Kam- like yeah. Kambai Shimada. He, yeah. Yeah. He's probably the closest thing to an archetypal samurai in the film. Mm. And he's introduced, again, cutting off his top knot and shaving oh. his hair. Like, he's uh, introduced making himself not a samurai. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he... And, like, he, he takes... It's the payment that he takes for rescuing the child. He gives away his ransom yeah. to rescue this woman. So like... Yeah, he's different to the way the rest are introduced, because he's, yeah. he's painted as the hero almost immediately. You yeah. know, he's, you know... T- he's doing the right off. thing. Yeah. yeah. And and Katsuhiro has 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 this um, kind of recurring 
uh, fanboy uh, quality <laughs> to him because he starts out the movie kind of ju- just kind of uh, following around and like admiring, and he gets the like the 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 big kind of man guys for, yeah, <laughs> for, for yeah for for, for yeah. and yeah and um and then later later on has the same thing for um Cuso. yeah yeah and, and i mean he also meets that nice boy in the clearing who is like well i'll drill you if you don't mind oh. in 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 a, in, a, in a rather in a double entendre that i'm not sure works in the original <laughs> japanese but the moment where he, he meets uh, Shinu, who is it was the, a little bit on the nose, wasn't yeah, it? That, yeah. the, farm, the farmer's daughter, who's masquerading as a, as a young boy uh, in the in the in the clearing, and he's like, "You should be drilling. Come here, and I'll drill you." Yeah, uh, and he then he runs this, after Joe Satavares. Breasts. Um, there is like it's, it's, you know you're almost he almost says breasts as he jumps off her. Yeah. It's like wait a minute, this is not right. It is, it's literally, we were talking about when we watched this. Now, obviously, there have been, like, countless, like, male-female sort of, like, swap stories, yeah. like, from the Twelfth Night in Shakespeare. He shot yeah. almost disgusted by it. He wasn't and then like, kind of, <laughs> 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 And then gradually re-aroused. Uh, it reminded me a bit of the, the plot from Futurama, where Leela has to, like, join the space military, but she has to sign up as a man. And, like, Zach Brannigan is like, look at that fine masculine specimen. Very arousing. I mean, interesting. <laughs> they do that, I think, in Blackadder as well. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but this, this, this sort of plays it entirely straight, where he spots, like, a young man across a clearing and sort of feels compelled to chase him and follow him. <laughs> Only to discover relatively early on that it's a woman. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because there, there's moments in there where it seems like you know where this is going. They're I wish women tri- could be more like you. <laughs> yeah, what's <laughs> um, yeah, it? Yentl. That's the one with, uh, with what's her face? With Streisand, Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's basically Yentl. Um, but there, there is a... This is the thing, though. I was wondering about that. Because there's a moment later on where he's really sort of... He has a... Um, where his second man crush. Um, oh, yeah. Where I wonder, like, are we meant to read the character as perhaps homoerotic in that sense? Because obviously, you know, he jumps after and chases the boy first time. But then when he's talking about his second crush, he's like, you know, after he comes back with the, with the guns and it's like, oh, I killed two people. You know, you get the, the moment where the guy's like, I just wanted to tell you, you're great. I didn't want you to die without me telling you how great you are. I've always and, thought so. Yeah, I've always thought that. Yeah. Now yeah. that it looks like we might die together, I feel like it's a good time to take it off my chest. And it's not even that. Joe, you know, if, if I was Cambi, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be a bit annoyed. He's like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, I thought, you, I thought you were like me. Yeah. Yeah. We had a thing yeah. going exactly. here. Yeah. you were my uh, apprentice. But, like, <laughs> like gets got... up, um, special song to sing about a special guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. In the audience. <laughs> yeah. And all the I six other samurai look at each other awkwardly. <laughs> uh, but it's like, because even, even after, like, he, he goes, he talks to uh, <laughs> Kikachu. Um, he talks to Toshiro Musei. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Kikachu? Kikuchi. Oh, God, I'm doing a terrible job. Kikuchi. Yeah. <laughs> when he goes off and talks to Kikuchi. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> when he goes off and talks to the guy who's not really a samurai, um, he sort of does, oh, by the way, have you noticed that he's great? He's really great. Kikuchi. Kikuchio, yeah, he says, like, have you noticed this guy's great? He, he did this really great thing. And, like, I know that the scene is obviously set up so that, you know, the guy who's not really a samurai will be, like, have this sort of, like, primal emotional thing. It's like, okay, well, this guy went off and got two guns. I'm going to go get some guns and prove I'm a real samurai. That's, but it plays very much like somebody talking about their, their crush. It's like, yeah. you know, 
It's the, he, he he holds his hair back just <laughs> like this. It's amazing. Have you seen it? We're, we're having difficulty saying Kikuchiyo, so I'll just say Toshiro Mufune's character. He has this funny thing throughout, throughout the movie where... He's kind of um, re- re- resentful or, or, or kind of trying to play too cool for school, but yeah. really cares a great deal about people's kind what of... They think. Yeah. What they think of him. Like like when 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 Katsuhiro is confiding that in him, he's, he's kind of like, oh, what a fascinating... Um, yeah, uh, I love hearing uh, you talk. Love hearing yeah. you talk, well, but ac- but actually, he's he's listening very intently. And it's like I wish I could impress Katsuhiro <laughs> like that. <laughs> Stealing like, guns, yeah. yeah. And what he's saying outwardly is, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you're saying. I care so much. About you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at the moment where their eyes almost yeah. meet at one another, it's uh... yeah. And he 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 he's very kind of like insincere about kind of his his. His um, kind of admiration oh. for for Kambe as well. He's kind of bashful about it, and like, oh, I don't get. I'm and so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, but but he's also following Kambe the same way um, Katsuhiro. Mm. Is. Yeah, like he yeah. literally he literally stalks him. Like they compare him to a lost puppy. I think. Yeah. Point, when they're walking to the village, yeah. and he 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 has this background as uh, as as a farmer. So 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 he he hates, I guess, um, who he is. Yeah, yeah. And, because and, he pretends to be a samurai, he we, yeah. he fabricates his own history. Yeah, um, he presents a scroll, which you know, presumably because he's illiterate, he made himself thirteen years old. Yeah, which makes the scroll completely useless. But he invests a lot of pride, and he carries around the gigantic sword. He has the largest samurai sword of anybody on the team, <laughs> as if to say, "Yeah, I definitely deserve yeah. to be here." Not I belong here, right? Yeah, not overcompensating fine. at all. <laughs> I particularly like the fact that like. All the other samurai wear their swords on their hip, mm. but because his overcompensating sword is so ridiculously large, he has to carry it over his shoulder tied to his belt. Yeah, and, and has yeah. a little sling on it as, <laughs> as well. It was, yeah, it was, like, it, was, it was good juxtaposition towards the rest of the team. team. It's like the Avengers or something. <laughs> but um, like he was, the, the rest all hold theirs with a, a, a almost balletic movements and yeah. a bit of grace about them. And he's just kind of like... Well, I'm a samurai. This is this is this is how they look, isn't what, it? You know. Would I have a sword if I wasn't a samurai? <laughs> and then later on, he's he's interestingly enough, he's the one who exposes the fact the villagers have been like stealing from mm. dead samurai, which yeah. you know makes you wonder how much of this is him projecting of himself, almost. Yeah, yeah. and he he he's like, oh, this is just what villagers are like. Farmers, they're scum, scum. Yeah. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's the most interesting character, isn't he? Oh, yeah, like absolutely. He's the most, yeah. the most, the most multidimensional. Yeah, yeah they're, they're conflicted. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you don't. Well, you can see of... why why Kurosawa was sort of drawn to the performer, like mm. in terms of because it is a rich role, and obviously, like uh, Kenpei is technically the protagonist and the lead or whatever, but he's a very stoic, very centered character. Whereas yeah. you have a much richer emotional life than about you know about the other guy, which mm. is you know, and it's it's very striking and very very effective. I mm. think. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, like, and you can see it's a recurring fascination for Kurosawa, like, you have this idea of themes of cycles of violence playing throughout the film as well, where you have the bandits who victimize the villagers, mm. you have the villagers who prey upon the dying and dead samurai, and then, you know, also have to be codependent on the samurai in order to exist, mm. but then you also have the samurai who, you know, 
they're quite rightly blamed for like perpetuating this culture and for setting up a situation where the villagers have to become scavengers in order mm. to survive. Like mm. it's you know they act like animals. Who made them act like animals? You did. Yeah. There's this wonderful sort of like it is that kind of bleak Kurosawa view of what the world is like, <laughs> where <laughs> everybody heaps suffering upon and, everybody. Yeah. Else. Not just the world. There's at one point there's an old woman <laughs> oh. who, uh, and she looked up. She's saying, "I like I don't want to live anymore." <laughs> <laughs> but I fear the next world is just as terrible as this. <laughs> and he says, no, no, the next world's great. There's no bandits or anything. Yeah, you should just move yeah. right on on there. Yeah. You're right that the world is terrible, but you should... <laughs> yeah. you, Nobody here is disputing don't that. Don't feel yeah. bad about dying. Just yeah. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, the, the best bit is then, like, Mifune's character jumps in and he goes, but what if there are bandits there? It could be just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, can tell, you can tell Kurosawa is sitting there going... Yes. yes. Yeah. I hate misery. And it, yeah. like later on, he's like, um, ah, I, 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 I wouldn't misery be able to live if I, yeah. I'm so glad I'm not one of those worms. And, and he, he, he says something quite kind of like overt to his character is like, I want to be kind of um, exciting and... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like excitement and oh, um, the daring and the, the daring yeah. and all of this sort of thing. It's like he he's just articulating out loud what he's all about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he wants to be better than he is. Yeah. Yeah. He, he doesn't have any way to do it aside from picking through the remains and the scraps and the leftovers. Yeah, yeah. which is a wonderfully grim worldview <laughs> if we're being entirely honest. And I kind of like one of the reasons why I wonder is this a Second World War film is because. There is a lot of stuff in terms of how they defend the village. It sort of struck me as what would maybe reflect the Japanese sort of impression of what the Second World War was like. Because you have, like, the shacks that lie beyond the village uh-huh. itself and separated by a boundary of water now because they flooded it. So you have basically these islands that are burnt by the bandits. And you have this sort of, like, argument amongst the villagers about how best to defend. Like, do you concentrate on defending, like, the central village or do you try and defend all the uh-huh. little outlying places? And I think in some ways... Would that be that sort of reflected some of what I've read about I mean, the debate about like the the Japanese response to the U.S. invasion of like the surrounding islands? Mm. You know, the attempts to take like Iwo Jima and stuff like mm. that. Well, I mean, they, they they I suppose they they didn't um, defend those islands kind of uh, tooth and nail. Like yeah. there there were there were there were still people fighting World War Two long after in the, 70s, the armistice yeah, had in been signed in the seventies and eighties, mm. for example. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's fair, I suppose. But I do wonder, like, if Kurosawa is making a point because there's there's lots of, like, there's lots of Frank Capra esque socialism woven oh. through this film, which is interesting. No, no, because because it is because it, it's kind of fascinating to see because Kurosawa was like Kurosawa was talked about how he was hugely influenced by foreign film, and you can see that here. Like, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about like mm. the technical influences like Bernau and stuff like that, but like John Ford's Westerns, John Ford, yeah. 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 Like, and there's a lot of that in terms of say the close ups and the layouts and the setup and the like, horseback. There's a lot of emphasis on horseback riding, mm. and even the bit where the the guys are riding through the woods to attack the banded fortress. The soundtrack for a second almost feels like something from a west. Oh, it does. As opposed no, to like it, the drum, it, it, the ominous drum beats. It's it, it it's very much a Western soundtrack throughout the whole thing, yeah. with, with 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 just a bit of a kind of a Japanese flavor. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's also like the bits when they're discussing defending the village. Like there are several lines from Kambei, like collective defense protects mm. the individual. Individual defense destroys the individual. Mm. And in battle, you never fight for individual actions and stuff like that. And you have, like, you have this sort of idea of, like, 
as a community, do you fight for a collective mm. or do you fight for yourself? And Seven Samurai is very much arguing almost for like a, a collective democratic sort of like, you know, idealized everybody, yeah. like everybody, yeah. we're all in it together. Kiko Chiyo is um, chastised uh, so and so much for, for kind of going, going, off going yeah, do, doing, doing what, um, what Kyuzo has done, but Kyuzo hasn't just done it of his own um, initiative. He's volunteered to... There, there, a there, yeah, they there was a guns. problem that they had identified. So, uh, by the way, that, that, that someone is went am- to go to do it first, and yeah. he said, "I will do it." Yeah. yeah, which is, by the way, an amazing scene. I just love that with the bit where it's like, "Okay, I'm going to go off and get these two guns," and you don't see him go off and get these two guns. There's a lot of violence we don't see in yeah. this movie. Yeah. You like, see him yeah. just wander back carrying two guns, and like he hands them over. He's like, "Oh, by the way, I killed two of them." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he says. Um, uh, kill two. Yeah. yeah, that's all he says. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, kill two. Yeah. I think that's just wa- so you wa- wa- yeah. walking away, and it yeah. goes for a nap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired, tired now. I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of killing. Yeah. I, I, but I do like the mm. attention to detail in the film in terms of like how it portrays. And you're right about it avoiding like gratuitous violence and stuff and like it, that. Yeah, the mm. a uh, lot of it, like Gorobe Kariyama. He he's kind of um, established as a. a and like a kind of an important character, um, I suppose, to 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 throughout the movie. Perhaps more 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 important. There there's um, Shichi Roji, who's kind of a little bit similar, kind of in 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 terms of like temperament, and they're both kind of um, like the same kind of size. But but yeah. they uh, Grobe is the more kind of important character. It's it's it, it it seems at the beginning, and he he's um, he's killed off screen. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I mean, well, even mm. like even the the introductory sequence you get with Kembe, where Kembe goes in to kill the, to basically to rescue the child from the temple, mm. like that happens off screen. You see the camera stays outside the temple. Guy staggers out and then falls on the ground. Yeah. And, you know, Kembe comes out with the child. There's a whole host of action that takes place like that entirely off screen. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that instead of showing that, you get like. Like and even the bandits that are killed off screen as well, you you don't see them being killed off screen, but you still see the mark being made on paper mm. representing their death, which is an interesting like it's a very detail orientated picture, but in a way that never feels gratuitous. Yeah, that's right. Which is I think that kind of helps. Like it's for the length of it, it, it has those moments of like the plot moving forward, but you're not exposed to everything that's going on in what is a very violent situation. Yeah. Because you know? even when it gets down to thirteen, you can't actually count down the yeah. whole the whole uh, 13. thirteen being killed off. I think there might be two or three that killed you don't off screen. Uh, yeah, mm. and the last one dies a rather ignominious death, which is like because I, I remember when when, the, when the last one died, I was like, you know, that, Ka- is that it really? Like, yeah, that, I that, that as well was wondering the same thing we were. It's like where oh, are yeah. all the bandits? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like job done, folks. Wrap it up. <laughs> oh, there was at least four. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we are done. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, know, you can expect a bill in the post. <laughs> yeah. And it's like. Um, Don't worry. These things normally are go much easier than you think they will. It's like. Like, I, I, there, there was a kind of thematic reason, I suppose, to end the movie when they ended this. But I kind of. I kind of like the way your Jimbo ends. Uh, an ending of a movie that I really like, which is which 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 is perhaps the best movie ever, is is Robocop. Obligatory <laughs> Robocop yeah, reference. Where <laughs> he he shoots Dick Jones 
goes to leave the room. Um, the old man says, um, nice shooting, son. What's your name? And he turns around and says, Murphy. Movie over. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, as far as I can recall, Yojimbo has a kind of a similar um, en- en- ending to it, where he's just like, well, I've done what I've come here to go. I'm going now. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah. and it, but in 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 this they have a kind of a, uh, a well, coda. Yeah, honestly. yeah. At, at at the end where where well, where where you want to talk about stuff kept off screen? Like, I mean, obviously you see shots of the farmers doing their harvests and stuff like that. But the final sequence of the samurai standing over the graves is a great example mm. of keeping stuff off scene because you see people running by, you see the women running by, you see the, the villagers running by. You can hear the sounds of happiness off screen. But the movie chooses to close on the image of the samurai focusing what they've lost, which is yeah. a very clever, very effective sort of contrast. Mm. It's not mm. like, oh, yay, the villagers are doing their thing. It's like, no, there are a bunch of dead samurai. Yeah, mm. it's, it's it's a happy ending, you know, on paper. <laughs> but like, you know, on screen, it's like, oh, damn. Yeah, that's a really, really downbeat ending. Yeah. I mean, you have this whole thing where they're kind of like singing their songs as they're kind of like yeah. dancing, planting rice. And it's like... And then the, the samurai are reflecting. We 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 really did quite badly about out of this as we normally do. And, and they've shown throughout this that they were never as badly off as, oh, as yeah. they pretended to be. Yeah. They had all of this sake oh, yeah. um, and, and bento boxes. <laughs> that, 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 that I, do, I do love the bit where Kevin is like, oh, by the way, he was entirely right that the farmers are assholes, yeah. but, we're, but we're committed now. Yeah. <laughs> I came along and it's like, uh, bento boxes, like, oh, I'm vegetarian. Oh, yeah, get a vegetarian one. <laughs> yeah, back there. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> do you want to talk coffee, tea, uh, white, white sake, red sake? Yeah. Um, Oh, but we're so poor. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it is like there's a real sense, yeah. Getting to the end of it, that like they, they the fact, it's a, it, it is the ha- you're right. It is the happy ending on paper. It's the yeah. ending you could see, which is like the only ending a film like this can have. Which yeah. is like the village isn't going to end burning with the bandits <laughs> eating barley, going. <laughs> but uh, it's somehow still a really depressing ending. Yeah. They didn't want to give the samurai proper money because they, they were developing like a community swimming pool <laughs> that summer over and they the wanted other side to, the to leave some money over for that yeah. yeah I mean do you have any idea how hard it is to balance a municipal budget yeah. in this day and age just out of shot as a big jar with like levels we're nearly at 50,000 this will get us the sports centre as well um, yeah. like you can choose you can have 10 samurai or a sports centre I just These imagine are... the villagers going over the samurai and saying uh, why are you still here <laughs> you can go now yeah. yeah you guys can head yeah we're going to crack open some more what? sake and yeah. here. Uh, just, at a, just asking you a question here but what is the you know the samurai swords dangling in the graves there what's the policy about two weeks three weeks <laughs> um, can yeah. we can we Steal those, add them to the stash, yeah, you know, I mean, for the next time. You know, just good taste. Don't want to do anything <laughs> offensive or anything like that. But yeah, there is there is something very cynical about that as yeah. well. And I mean, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the climax and some of the technical innovations of what Kurosawa did, right? Because one of the things about this film was it was incredibly difficult to make. Uh, we talked about it was the most expensive Japanese film made to that point. Mm. Half a million dollars spent on it. Really, it not, probably not just in terms of money, but in, <laughs> in terms of like expensive in terms of treatment of animals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah probably as well. Yeah. Um, but like it famously, it took 148 days to shoot. 
Um, and that was shot over the course of a year because the production was repeatedly shut down by the studio because it was running so far over budget. Mm. Kurosawa being Kurosawa, whenever the production would be shut down, would simply go off fishing. His logic being, well, look, they've invested this much money in the project so far. There's no way they're not going to let me film the ending. Uh, and apparently it worked out. Um, he cost fish. <laughs> Is he as is he as good as as uh, yeah. as, as yeah. wandering in the As we talk about how atavistic he is, he yeah, swims like in like another fish almost <laughs> and just catches a smaller fish. It's a surprise yeah. when he has it yeah. in his hand when he yeah. it. Like, it's How did he do that? <laughs> He's he a force his, of nature. He lowers his yeah. head into the water. It's like, I, you know, I just need to look for this yeah. thing down That's where one part of the editor won in the editing room. It's like, he kind of like, flops out all <laughs> yeah. in his teeth. And I was like, oh, maybe just, he grabs it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, we and, lose five minutes. It's fine. <laughs> and Kurosawa's like, okay, you get this one. Yeah. <laughs> but he, fa- Kurosawa famously edited as he went, which is mm. uh, remarkable. Uh, because he would, he would edit the day's shooting uh, overnight. Mm. Which would allow him, for example, I think Ikira, uh, was famously premiered five days after the shoot ended because Kurosawa had been doing that as he was going along. He mm. would sort of he would shoot and he would he would edit that night and then he'd go back and he'd shoot the next day. Oh, wasn't um, Seven Samurai almost um, groundbreaking in terms of a multi-camera setup? And yes. you know the way he you know editing all that as well would have been. Oh yeah, it was it was like so. The issue with the with the multicamera set is two things in terms of how this changed how Kurosawa made films. Um, and you're right, with the multicamera setup was basically one of these because mm. the action sequence at the end, which is fantastic, and shot during torrential downpour, because mm. um, all all the sets were built on. One of the reasons it was so expensive was because all the sets were built on location. Like he didn't just build empty fronts and he didn't sort of shoot the interior on standing sets. Mm. He actually built a village in like proper scale. Um, in the middle of a national park, you can actually visit it now. It's the, the the village has been taken down, but the park has a little sort of sign saying this is where Seven Samurai was shot. But like his, his argument was, and again, this probably speaks to Kurosawa's opinion of actors, was that it's much easier on the actors if they don't have to imagine that they're in a house. If I can just give them a house, it's much more convincing. So I'm going to need half a million dollars, please. Um, but one of the things about it was when he was shooting the climax with the rain, mm. he... He found that if he was shooting action sequences and he wanted to cut between various action beats, what he would have had to do if he was using a single camera setup would is he'd have to shoot the action scene, you know, far out, wide, and then you have to go in and you have to shoot inserts and you have to sort of repeat action beats and stuff like that. And he found that he thought that that was unnatural and it didn't contribute. And this is what we were talking about earlier when you say, like, he likes to do lots of rehearsals, but one take. So he gets, like, the maximum amount of effort on screen. And there's element of that with the multi-camera setup because that would allow him to do the attack on the village in one take but also to edit it together from multiple angles and multiple shots. Mm. So there were three cameras uh, working um, on the village during these during these attack sequences. Camera A was in the most orthodox traditional position. So camera A was like, you know, it was the standard sort of distance shot. It was focused on the characters that were moving, the hero mm. characters. Camera B was in like his places of interest. So he'd have like, well, I want a low angle of the horses coming in. And there's some really great shots of like horses where you wonder like, is the camera literally under the horse's hoof? Yeah. Um, and then camera C was like... <laughs> I, I think I saw like one of, one of the farmers just getting milled by a horse. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> where it looks like one of the farmers yeah. was there one of the stuntmen was like this is a bad idea um, yeah. and sort of like pulled back as they're riding into town it's absolutely crazy I mean Kurosawa 
like has a reputation for I think it was Throne of Blood, where he actually shot arrows at his leading man. Um, where he was like the, the leading man was like, well, look, we're just going to do the scene, right? And he's like, uh, why are those why are those archers there? Those archers, uh. those archers are there, so you think there's archers there? It's for your psychology. It's grand. It's like okay, action. Bang, 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 bang. So the look of terror on the actor's face is genuine. What noise do you think uh, an arrow makes? <laughs> okay, what noise do you think an arrow makes? Okay, so it's boom, 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 boom. All right, is that better? Does that work No, better? we'll do it in post. That's fine. Damn it. But, uh, yeah, so there, there was, like, Kurosawa had a reputation for being difficult. And it's interesting, like, the way that Whack. we... Whack. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. This is like if you were writing a comic book and you wanted, like, a little, like, Batman it's style. It's going to say, that's effect. what, that's what be, crush whack. your mind. Yeah, whack. Um... <laughs> It's the sound you make when you hit the penguin. Um, but yeah, it has that sort of... It's interesting how we like we glamorise difficult filmmakers. Darren hits penguins. Yeah, just, that's the takeaway from all this. But how we glamorise difficult filmmakers and auteurs and stuff like that. Like, you imagine if you were doing this today, yeah, he would probably not be very encouraged and sort of like... <laughs> but the fact that he was doing this in the 50s sort of allows him to build a mystique around him. Mm. I imagine working with Kurosawa was very, very difficult. But in terms of the camera setup, so the third what? Especially if you're a horse. Yeah, if you're... <laughs> or or well, a lead you... actor in a scene with arrows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't talk there and you want to b- b- beat up a penguin. Like <laughs> 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 you, Andrew. Um, but yeah, so camera C in the three camera setup that we were talking about before we went down this particular Sorry. Time, that would be a gorilla unit. So that would sort of wander around and try yeah. to catch interesting bits that happen spontaneously. Yeah. Because he didn't want to, he didn't feel it was natural to like try and recreate those moments if he hadn't caught them on camera. And it was a, it was an innovative setup. Um, obviously it inspired not only all of his later sort of samurai films were filmed in that manner as well. All his later action films were filmed mm. in that manner as well. It also became very popular even overseas to do it in that way because it allowed you to edit and cross cut and sort of like to pick up like mm. bit that you'd missed, which was which was very canny and very clever. And because Kurosawa was editing on a nightly basis, he also had a much tighter sort of control, obviously. It wasn't as if he got to the end of the shoot and was like, oh crap, we got, we, I completely forgot to do this bit. It's like, okay, well, we'll pick that up tomorrow if, if we didn't. Yeah, all of uh, these... Um, there's a lot of horses in here. Yeah. <laughs> all these the editors. Movie. It's like, um, is that job started yet? No, the movie hasn't finished, uh, <laughs> hasn't finished wrapping. And it's like, oh, it's finished now. Oh, the job's done. <laughs> yeah. I'm still getting paid. Or... Yeah. Uh, well, actually, like Kurosawa is is an interesting sort of director in terms of the method that he would use. Like, so do you know how um, we talked about how his editing? Do you know how he wrote Seven Samurai? And this is fantastic. Like, so Kurosawa basically had. Did he a... also writes after he's finished editing <laughs> yeah. for the next day. Yeah. No? Uh, writing on a nightly basis. <laughs> well, the script was, and this will surprise absolutely nobody who has seen the length of the film and listened to us talk about it. The film. The script was 512 pages long. Wow. He famously wrote uh, memorandum and documents and notebooks uh, for each of the seven primary characters. Like he would famously name the favorite food, like what they would like oh, to that's... eat for breakfast of each. No, like, no, major... one, no one's favorite food was millet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was the cheat. The answer was always not millet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, millet gets a very hard time in this. <laughs> Well, it uh, does make you blind. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the pro millet lobby didn't have a lot to say about Seven Samurai. They wanted it on the food pyramid. Yeah. yeah. We, when you say millet is awful, could you say healthy or, you know, wholesome? Um, it's chewy. It's full of fiber. Yeah. Right? Um, 
But what he would do is when he was writing, he would... Uh, he actually had a bunch of, of, sort of screenwriters he had worked with, so five of them in general. So, and I apologize, this is going to be another Darren Mangles name <laughs> section of the podcast. Yeah, Millet doesn't really make you blind, by the way. It's just <laughs> the, rice, the rice lobby just wants <laughs> to, to believe to that. that. Yeah. Yeah. The rice people got to you too, Andrew. There was definitely a hierarchy of food foodstuffs. Speaking, oh, yeah, of, speaking of grains, they, they, were, they were like, oh, we've stolen the rice, we'll wait for him to grow the barley. They go, they, they're discussing what are they going to do about these bandits that are going to come. And they, they, they go to the, to the patriarch of the village. His Who name lives is, in the mill. Yeah, his name is Gisaku. And they say, uh, what are we going to do? He's like, I don't know. And it's like, they're going to take the barley, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 kind of all of a sudden, it's like, barley. Yeah. No, I didn't realize this was that kind of meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, we, uh, we need some me. samurai. Yeah. <laughs> <A bit Now. laughs> we, we need 10 to 15 samurai now. Yeah. <laughs> what are you still doing here? <laughs> Get out there. Barley, man. <laughs> Yeah, I've gotten used to not having much rice, but <laughs> oh, way, nobody messes with the barley. <laughs> you guys are going to have to eat millet. But I like yeah. the way that he's like, we can offer them rice. You guys will just eat the stuff that makes you go blind. <laughs> That's the way that this will work. <laughs> yeah, another like horror movie for him is the wind that shakes the barley. <laughs> Leave my barley alone. Yeah, yeah. It, it advertised very differently in that little village yeah. there. It's yeah. like, why are there? What, what's the, I, I just want a good barley movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he had, a, he had a bunch of five writers who were uh, Ijiro Hisata, Haizuku uh, Kikushima, Shinobu Hashimito, Haido Uguni, and Masatu Aide. And what he would do, I know, flawless. Stellar job, stellar job. <laughs> I think the last one, is the last one Ide. Ide, there we go. Maybe. Like, I don't know. That's uh, the uh, only flaw. <laughs> I think so. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not looking at it. I, 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 I'm thinking it's, it's probably, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm completely cutting the flow. <laughs> go for it, Darren. No, no, but in terms of, in terms of writing the script, right, what, what Kurosawa would do, and it reminds me of that bit where you're talking about, like, how useless the editor must feel on a Kurosawa film. He would get these five guys to sit around a table at a retreat they go to and I think it's like a hot sauna or a hot springs resort they'd all go to a hot springs resort so they wouldn't be distracted and he'd sit them down at a table and he'd basically say this is the scene we're writing today and like all five of them would write a version of the scene and Kurosawa would pick the best one oh. and be like this is the scene now um, can you imagine being the guy who has the zero hit rate at those spa resorts? It's like Glenn Gary Glenn Ross or something. He goes, I just need a sale. I just yeah, need a, I need just a need scene. A scene. <laughs> so the, the, the guys who write South Park, they seem to have like a room of people who are like kind of... And, 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 and sometimes like uh, they quite well-known well oh, Bill Hader people. was yeah, in there, Bill, for example, Bill, at one stage. From, from watching the documentary, it seems to me that they just come up with everything, and eventually they're just talking to each other. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and constructing the entire thing. And the other uh, <laughs> the kind of writers are just kind of sitting there laughing. Well, there's a great story about, like, David E. Kelly, who produced Picket Fences. And, like, one of the writers on his writing staff was like, yeah... The writers' room on a David E. Kelly show is the most <laughs> the most useless expenditure on the network's budget. Um, and you're like, Jesus! It's like Aaron Sorkin wrote like 96 yeah. of the first 100 episodes of The West Wing, for example. But I mean, even I'm sure he had a room as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he did have a room, and, yeah. and a lot of them complained. <laughs> Just like a lot of it. Here's a rejoinder, Harford. <laughs> 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 <But it's> like... <laughs> But it 
is because he, he admits himself he was I'll powered mostly by cocaine at that point. <laughs> but all, all the writers, yeah, a lot of the writers complain about their experiences under Sorkin because it's pretty much like, uh, so you, you done that scene I asked you to write? It's like, yep, well, too late. I already wrote it. <laughs> Um, it's like I have some thoughts I think we could do this it's like yep already wrote it yeah um, just come to me with a, a, a disease that a present could have that fits these things yeah I know and then I'll put name. it into mine yeah I, I, I need a I've got two small children I need names yeah. that is your project for the day um, the, um, the Mexican ambassador I need a name yeah. give it to me okay fictional country cocaine is that <laughs> alright no not, not going to stick on the first one just going to keep going there are yeah. no, there's no such thing is a bad idea in this writer's yeah. as long as it comes from me um, but yeah there's all of that I mean even on say Star Trek like they would talk about how the writers working on like under say Brandon Braga would basically be like well his way of running a writer's room was to lock himself in his office between 8am and 6pm come out of the office at 6pm and say right here's what we're doing today lads <laughs> Um, but there is an element of that with Kurosawa where he would basically go, okay, you you five guys are going to write this scene that I've directed you to write. One of you is going to get to be in the movie. Go. Um, but it's... it's fight. 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 And I mean, 500 pages of script as well. How, mm. how soul-destroying must that be to be the one guy who's like, okay, well, I got the scene with the guys with the unibrows. <laughs> that, that was my sale. Yeah. That was my pitch. Let's write this movie about collaboration and about how, <laughs> yeah. how, how, how the collective... Um, yeah. the collective is, defense uh, defends the individual. Yeah. Yeah. Individual defense betrays the individual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that again parallels the West Wing a little bit. On the screen, it's like, we're all a team. <laughs> and that off screen, you'll hate each other. <laughs> so, yeah, cocaine! All cocaine! <laughs> um, and don't worry, Aaron Sorkin has confirmed that, so it's not slander. Um, just so we're clear on that. In terms of other uh, techniques that Kurosawa employed here, he famously used uh, telephoto lenses in shooting the in shooting the film, which gave it a wonderful sort of like a deep focus look almost, mm. where he could keep stuff in the background, and the foreground. And I don't know if, if you guys notice it while you're watching it, but a lot of the scenes almost seem like compressed in I'm terms of space. Familiar with telephoto lenses. <laughs> okay, thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to condescend. I apologize. He was talking to me, Andrew. I'm sorry. Well, no, you you actually studied film, Chris. Like you you did a yeah. you studied it in college. Like so, you were technically the most qualified person in this podcast. I just mean that I'm familiar with telephoto lens from my days as a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> Is a telephoto lens the preferred lens for a pervert? Surely it would it flatten is. things out, though. Uh, I mean, surely uh, you want depth, I, unlike, your, like, unlike your perverted photos, that's right? If you ha- that's if you have a camera. There, there's, there. In my so, day, we just had to hide behind bushes like farmers <laughs> listening on bandits. No, like with, 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 with a pair of binoculars like George McFly. <laughs> Had to do it live. Weird, weird, a weird, reminder weird, of weird. how creepy romantic eighties movies were. <laughs> yeah, weird movie. How uh, now? I have to make these two people get together. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, they're my parents. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's yeah, actually that's one of the things about the opening scene, right? Because I've like as compared to say the American version, like the or then mm. the two American versions, the the Magnificent Sevens. But uh, <laughs> sevens is sevens is um, not lucky number seven. That's a completely different film. Or but, seven, but like or seven, which is also a completely different film. I like the idea that David Fincher's like started out as an adaptation of like Seven Samurai. I'm like, gonna take this in some interesting directions. <laughs> What's in the barley? Um, but they have like the bandits play a very small part in this, particularly mm. when you compare it to say the American version where it's like Eli Wallach and uh, Peter Sarsgaard in the more recent one, yeah. but they have a much more active role. Like the bandits are, appear in like the introductory scene of the film yeah. um, and then go away and you don't see them again until three of them come to attack the village in the last hour of the film. So there's like a whole like 
nearly two and a half hours of the film where mm. there are no bandits. Which mm. and they talk about it like in the film themselves, the villagers are like Maybe the bandits aren't coming back. Yeah. And you're wondering, like, is there another different version of Seven Samurai where the bandits just sort of moved on and we're like, well, we, we actually raided our surplus of barley from the next <laughs> village over. It turns out we, we, we didn't properly plan this whole thing. I feel like we committed a little bit too early. Um, what about that other place? Ah, come back. Oh. They got rice next year. That's, that's three days ride back that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. At yeah. the end of the movie, they're just like going through the kind of uh, stealing all of the uh, armor and stuff. And it's like, wait a second. These are different bandits. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the samurai have already left. Yeah. yeah. But no, I'm wondering, like, because is there, is there, it often felt like there was a point where you would almost imagine the, the, the samurai like moving in, staying there for several years and the bandits coming back. Yeah. And the samurai being like, oh, there are actually bandits. Yeah, yeah like, they're, 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 they've set, set up the village as a kind of like a fortress. I imagine they'll kind of leave it like that. They, mm. Like, have all of these kind of like the, the well, they need defensive to drain. kind of barricades. And, well, they, they presumably mm. need to drain the the, um, the fields, the, the fields yeah. in order to grow in them, right? Because they yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then flood them again yeah. for, for the, <laughs> next, the next assault. For the right service. <laughs> yeah. right? Or for the next assault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, it was interesting what you said about how the bandits aren't really present. present in the film at all. Like, I found that. Because it's like three groups there's the bandits, there's the samurai, and there's the villagers. And you, the bandits are pretty much not there. So, yeah. like, I feel like that gave the film a lot more time to flesh out the villagers. For one, the fact that, oh yeah, we've got all this uh, food and supplies here. We're actually we're, we're not great ourselves. And then the, the... you could make up a party game: uh, samurai bandits and villagers. <laughs> it's a great share song as well. Yeah, yeah. You have to guess who who the bandits are. Yeah. And yeah. Decide at the beginning who the samurai is. <laughs> <laughs> but is he masterless is the question. Yeah. No, it just, I, I find that sort of interesting yeah. how, how that remove existed. Because mm. there were points where, like, I remember when I was first watching it, where I was kind of like, wait, are the bandits coming back? Because you imagine, like, you wonder what the off-screen life of the bandits is like. Well, all this stuff is happening with the samurai and the villagers. You know, why aren't the bandits off doing their thing, finding um, other villages? Like, yeah. I mean, you, you wonder if the bandit leader at the end is like, you know, the village is like, what took you so long? And it's like, you, you do realise you guys aren't the only village, yeah. right? And the, the, the um, it's, it's funny as well I that we have that other targets. We realise that the bandits, while we don't see their world, we realise that they do have this world because yes. they, they, we, we, we get like this insight into their quarrelling and they have yeah. the same problems that the samurai do with, yeah. with desertion. Yeah, yeah, as well, like, there's that wonderful small scene where they, they have to kill, where the guys, the bandits basically kill the two guys for yeah. eating as well. Yeah. But and I mean... You'd, you'd imagine the bandits as well being like, whoa, 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 I didn't say that you you, you could have, have like, affairs with, <laughs> with young women from the village. We're just going there to take their... <laughs> their wives. Their, their wives or barley. Yeah. 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 Like, that is the deal. You've disrespected um, the, the, yeah, the father. I'd like to say, somehow who, I think the fact that they kidnapped one of the villagers' wives, who, yeah. who burned herself alive yeah. rather than returning and like, that was, uh, that, yeah like there's there's a lot of really harrowing stuff in the film actually yeah. which is like for all that we talk about like a, a rip-roaring adventure film and like the prototypal sort of action movie yeah. effects that we'll talk about in a moment but like it, it's got this really dark core in places mm. in that it's very candid about stuff like say sex and maybe this is because like we're so used to watching American films which
which can be quite prudish, because we were watching a few weeks ago, we watched, was it Wild Strawberries, which is uh, a Bergman film from the same period, which is also mm. candid about sex, and not in like a, ooh, boobies sort of way, uh, it more like in a sex is something that happens between adults, and, you know, yeah. sometimes the, the, bad this, sex happens. This movie had a bit of that, ooh, boobies, but it, it was mostly <laughs> like, ooh... She's like, got a great ass. <laughs> <laughs> like our our, intro- introduction, our to introduction to yeah, she 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 know is like just like like straight up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Where she's she's yeah she's washing her hair yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, but the camera lingers yeah. on on yes yeah, a certain well, angle of yeah. her. From her father's perspective as well, which is why it's it's, it's really weird watching the it's scene a weird thing. because because the scene opens with like this this shot that is like. Very clearly, like, ooh, women. Yeah. Um, I, and and no, then it's like, when you cut to this guy standing awkwardly behind I her. Almost yeah. feel, I almost feel it's intentionally warped. Yeah. It's this whole weird thing from the father, from the very beginning. It's like, what am I going to do about my really hot daughter? Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's the bit where one of the other villagers is like, well, maybe you can trade them your really hot daughter. Yeah. And he's like, oh. The other villagers are put out by it. It's like, it's not yeah. all about your daughter, for exactly. God's sake. However hot she might yeah. be. And, and, Stop mentioning that. It's creepy. And she 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 beats her when 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 she's... Well, not only that, the scene uh, where she cuts with... her hair is filmed very much like an assault scene. In fact, it's yeah. like, it's directly parallel with the very last killing of the bandit where you have the camera moving through the outside of the house with like the bars giving you sort of like a prison sort of view mm. like it's very much it's an assault on her when he's cutting yeah. her hair to make her look like a boy so she won't be attractive to samurai yeah. uh, or other men apparently which yeah. make it super creepy because there's no mother in the picture either um, he, and it's, he... it is parallel like the, the way that Kurosawa films the final bandit mm. being killed and the is, is very much in that style as well. And it, he uh, be, beats her like she's like almost like she's a cheating wife or yeah. something yeah. like that. Um, There's weird kind of... Um, connotations and subtext yeah. there as well. Like it's it's really uncomfortable. I think it's intentionally so though. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Whereas the, the... I think the relationship between Katsuhiro and her is, is more kind of like the, the, the normal thing that's being portrayed. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, it's also in some ways like the film <clears throat> playing into that rejection of caste because, like, there's a whole big thing in it, like, I wish I was a samurai caste so that we could be together. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know you're a samurai, I'm a farmer's daughter. But the film is very clearly, like, the film understands that the two of them, it's not, like, it's not a cynical relationship between the two of them, I think. It's, like, yeah. they're literally sitting in fields full of white flowers, mm. making out and reflecting on their existence. Yeah. The way they do it. Yeah. And, I mean, Kembe is like, oh... Young love. But I found it very interesting um, kind of when their love is exposed to the village and the father then starts beating the daughter. In the street, yeah. Yeah. And then I found it interesting, like, yes, that was kind of obviously done deliberately, but, like, the way it it kind of all kind of ends. Result, yeah. Yeah, like, everyone just walks off and does their own thing and leaves leaves the, the, the young girl crying in the street like no, there's no kind of motion to help her or there's a lot of that in the film and, and mm. <clears throat> like part of me wonders if that's Kurosawa's sort of like Did... you get the sense Kurosawa doesn't really like the villagers because there's a moment yeah. where they ha- they capture the bandit for information and they torture him or they don't torture him but he gives them information and Kenbei's like look this man has given us information you know he's a prisoner of war and he's yeah. a prisoner of war you know we should show him mercy and the villagers are like, uh, yeah. no. Um, and it happens off screen, but you see them sort of mob him and yeah. you see like the, the revenge taken on. There's another scene where like the, the women basically gang up and kill this guy like in, in this horrible sort of like stabbing motion. Like there's there's, there's a sense yeah, that, there, there, that they're a crowd, they're like a yeah, mob basically. Yeah. 
there isn't there, there isn't really a great sympathy for Shino so much as there's a kind of an antipathy for her father. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. she she like and and the the, the um because he's he's the father is also kind of shamed uh, Katsuhiro who rather than the the defending Shino is kind of like l- yeah. looking down kind of like feeling kind of like off to to the side embarrassed yeah. about where whereas like the the, the he. I, it, it, he's almost shamed by it as well. Yeah, and and I I suppose that it comes across in 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 there 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 was a kind of an under um, I don't it it's a funny thing because the um, Kambe is like oh who which one of the samurai because like he's, in, he's, he's it's he's, like okay I'm gonna love, big, kind of start lobbing mins off in <laughs> big trouble yeah like uh, if, 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 but mm. you have um, a, well to be fair the moment that he the moment that he realizes who it is he's like. Your name is Shino. He realizes yeah. instantly what's yeah. happening. That it's not. That a, it's not taking advantage yeah. of, of her. He realizes that it's genuine love. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and just then, on the side, that, I thought that was a very good kind of callback to when the, he was mumbling while he was sleeping. Yeah. yeah. Just was, and it is yeah, it, is it, is no, it, it was. It was very is good. Is it Shichu Roji who then speaks to the father yeah. and says, kind of like, "Oh, they're young." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. In the heat of battle, you know. Yeah, yeah. Rather, rather and, and what he what he says is, um, rather he get take uh, she get taken by a by a samurai than by a bandit, mm. which is which, yeah, that's not which the like, movie's most yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like the, 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 like we 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 can't really judge it so much by by today's kind of other yeah. than, other than to just kind of see it and go because yeah, yeah. yeah. because it's like oh she's taken is she like, yeah. To, to her, yeah her um Interesting no choice agency of words. here yeah. Yeah. yeah and even even the old the old woman earlier like it's like i i just want to die like i mean there's and there's like the villagers are like yeah, yeah you, you probably do us all a favor yeah. like, just, the, all right there's no you, sympathy for her so yeah. it's like well I mean, more barley for the rest of us. <laughs> I do. I do like the. Um, um, are, are we doing an intermission? <laughs> I was going to say, if you want to do an intermission, come back and we'll get some pizza. All right, cheers. We'll see you on the other side of the intermission.
Right, and welcome back to the second half of our Seven Samurai podcast after the intermission. Which, by the way, I love that the Blu-ray that I have, which is the I, uh, the BFI Blu-ray of it, actually comes with the intermission as standard as well, which is very nice. So you can get that sort of uh, recreated. Yeah, is this I, I, I could have I could have persevered through the whole th- three and a half hours, but I like the intermission. It's, I, I miss, it's a throwback, isn't it? I miss intermissions because I mean, yeah. the last time I remember going to a film that had an intermission was when I was in Psycho and they're doing Lord of the Rings, and the movies didn't come with intermissions. But the cinema basically said, "Right, stop. That's enough. Uh, go out and buy some popcorn and some coke." Because <laughs> obviously, that's that's the market is that when you're when you've got a three hour film and you're showing it. Your logic is, well, you can probably force them to go outside and buy more. Especially with these kids. Yeah, they they can't get enough. Um, I don't know why they sound like Robert Loggia, but uh, Robert Loggia operated all of the cinemas in Sligo. Um, They call him the cinema king of the West Coast. If Uh, I could do an impression of Robert Loggia all the time. They bring him popcorn from somewhere else. (laughs) Break a leg. But yeah, this <laughs> keep the change of filthy animal. Um, the service may not have been great at the town at the confectionery counter. Actually, I really like this Lego cinema. But yeah, I f- miss intermissions. I actually mm. miss intermissions when it comes I, to I, yeah. I was in uh, Sligo the weekend. We were talking about going to the movies, and I said the Gaiety, and they were like, "What are the Omniplex?" It's like it's the Gaiety. Come on. <laughs> what, is, what is it? Is it still the I same as it no, was like, in terms of layout and stuff like that, or have they radically reworked it? I haven't been there in years. It, it, Sorry, I know Chris obviously <laughs> nope. having it's much the same, much the same, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, because I actually have a lot of fond memories of that cinema. But I do miss the idea of there being an intermission where you go outside, you come back in. Because I mean, even recent movies like say Blade Runner twenty forty nine, mm. which is what two hours and forty nine minutes, mm. Um, mm. even that doesn't have an intermission because the idea is basically now you want as many showings as possible, so you cram them in as close together as you can. Star Wars, the new Star Wars movie, is what, like two hours and 40 minutes, yeah. which is, is absurd as well, and that also doesn't have a break in there as well. So I like the idea of... They, the... They, they, uh, I suppose it's not too much of a uh, tangent, because there, there's a, um, an Akira Kurosawa trope in that, of the, the Rashomon story oh, in yeah. oh. The Last Jedi. There is indeed... Oh, you saw it, did you? Yeah, I, yeah. You I eventually it? did, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 Andrew I, saw a movie that wasn't on the 250, which is... <laughs> a, how did you find the time? Yeah, I, 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 figured, I figured I'd probably see it over the, over, um, over the Christmas with my brother. My, my brother was away for the Christmas, so I saw it uh, after the Christmas, after, but also after I came back from L.A. Oh, so, cool. yeah. And I, I wasn't going to watch anything while in... Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. Although I did spend a lot of time indoors. Well, you, did, you went to comedy clubs, as we talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, that's actually a nice segue to, to talk about this, because one of the things that's very, you know, sort of influential about Kurosawa's work, or one of the many things that Kurosawa influenced, so we'll probably talk a little bit about them in, in this section of the podcast, but, like, one of the most striking things is it was a huge influence on Star Wars. That's mm. why I think the, the Rashomon element of Last Jedi is so, like, clever as a film nerd. Um, you know, like, oh, I get what they're doing here. I like it. Go, you crazy animal, you. Um, it's like it's... That, that's um, uh, Simpsons joke about, like, um, it's, uh, Hom- Homer doesn't like Japan. And it's like, oh, you love Rashomon. And it's like, that's not how I remember it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, it has that sort of, like, reflexive quality. And even, like, mm. Last Jedi has the fight scene in the throne room, which is mm. one of the best sequences. I like that this is turning into the Last Jedi podcast. This, this is just to illustrate... But we weren't able to do a Last Jedi for no, we like, obvious for... reasons. Yeah, because the well, internet Obvious and not obvious reasons. Yeah. Because yeah, the internet they, hates it. Sometimes there's more than one reasons. reason for not liking the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's not how I remember it, Andrew. Um, it is very much the Rashomon of Star Wars films. But it has um, that sort of, like, the throne room sequence, which is absolutely amazing mm. stunning. One of the best sequences 
in Star Wars, in my opinion, anyway. Mm. But it's very much it's influenced by samurai cinema and by Kurosawa. Obviously not this Kurosawa because it's in colour and it leans heavily on, like, the colour red. But it has that sort of, like, feel of, like, Ran and that sort of yeah. stuff in there. But, like, Kurosawa's... This was usually influential for Lucas when he was doing Star Wars. Yeah, I think so. And apparently, well, just on another tangent, didn't George Lucas and... and um, was it Spielberg or somebody helped finance uh, Kurosawa's last film. Yes, and it was several of his... I don't know if it was his last film, but it was among his last films. Yeah. They did, like, Dreams, for example. Yeah. Was, uh, and it was Martin Scorsese appears in Dreams playing Vincent van Gogh. Yeah. Um, basically uh, playing, like, the artistic muse and in conversation with him. Uh, like, Kira, was it... Um, that's where Scorsese read the novel Silence, which obviously he eventually made uh, earlier oh, last yeah. year. He read it while in, in Japan filming his sequence as Vincent van Gogh in, in Kurosawa's dreams. Yeah. But, like, Kurosawa's influence is incredibly, mm. incredibly vast. And, I mean, like, Seven Samurai, like, that was one of the core influences on Star Wars in terms of that was originally how, I think, how Lucas wanted the film to be originally, wanted to be Seven Samurai in space. Um, and eventually, sort of, he, he developed it in its own direction. But you can see elements of that in mm. terms of, like, in terms of story elements, like, say, the master-pupil relationship that's sort of, you know, mm. predicated, like, the wise old master and sort of the, you know, naive, enthusiastic, like, want-to-learn-everything, less yeah. cynical pupil. Moisture forever. <laughs> 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 um, and it's funny that you mentioned Cantina as well, because that is very much, like, in the style of, like, how Star Wars is constructed, where you build this gang very gradually as well. Yeah. It's in the style of it, where you have that, like, the first hour is spent getting this ensemble together and getting the heroes to where they need to be yeah. and it takes its time getting there in a, in a style that very much reminds me of like Seven Samurai but also even like technically where you have like the, the wipes you have like there's several moments in like uh, Seven Samurai where the, the camera sort of wipes across left to right mm. um, which is quite striking when you're used to like sharp clean cuts mm. now and uh, sharp yeah. clean edits and they had to write a more brief kind of um, uh, uh, caption kind of uh, uh, introduction yeah. Yeah, yeah like a long time ago in a Japan that's probably not quite <laughs> so far away um, but there, there is a lot of that because Kurosawa and it's fascinating to watch the, the influences at play here because Kurosawa as much as he influenced Westerns and obviously like there's a connection this has been remade as the Magnificent Seven mm. and this has you know obviously been remade again as the new Magnificent Seven but I mean this itself and obviously uh, Yojimbo was remade as you know both like, uh, was it uh, Fistful of Dollars and uh, Last Man Standing with Bruce Willis? Yeah. Uh, both equal masterpieces in terms of quality. That's entirely <laughs> frank here. Uh, Rashomon has been interpreted and reimagined countless times. You know, not yeah. only in the Simpsons gag, but like every episode of every well, series yeah, ever has done a Rashomon episode. Yeah. I suppose uh, not only in the one Simpsons gag, but there, there, there's a <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 Bars and um, Mr. Burns. Where they're um, oh the various yeah, versions where they're where, counting like, yeah the, where where Bart is being knocked over yeah, and, and everyone's the telling different the different versions, versions in, in court yeah. and you you have that like but I mean it's talking it's, a lot about Rashomon but it, yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's a standard like in terms of Kurosawa's influences yeah. and stuff like that because one of the things about him as a director was he was hugely influenced by Western cinema he grew mm. up like he would have sort of come of age in the twenties and stuff like that when he would have access to like German films Murnau uh, was a massive influence on him and you can see I think a lot of that in how he uses we talked a little bit about the telephoto lens mm. um where like how he uses that to flatten the image so you get this almost like obviously almost claustrophobic kind of feel like. yeah it's almost like stylistic in yeah. place as well like there are points where obviously he built the real village because it cost 
$500 million uh, to make this movie. But there are points where it seems like scenes almost take place against like an old matte painting or an old mm. like, you know, backdrop, studio backdrop. Like I'm thinking particularly of the scenes where like they leave the village to, to talk to Rikichi. Is it where he's like where he stormed out and like one of the other samurai goes out to talk to him. And it looks like oh. the buildings behind them are almost like painted on a wall. Like mm. they're kind of, they're very flat. Mm. But there's also stuff like later on in the, in the film, there's a sequence where at the very end where they're standing under the graves, the little mound with the graves. Mm. And, like, obviously, like, you know, logically, in terms of, like, how things are in the real world, the grave is far away and a little bit up top. But it looks a little bit like kind of a secondary school, like Wes Anderson. Somebody cut out a cardboard cutout of a mountain and put it behind them because it has that sort of quality. Mm. Like, there's a lot of that in there that feels almost, like, expressionistic in terms of, like, silent film. Mm. There's a lot of, like, use of inserts, a lot of close-ups on faces and stuff like that. And, I mean, Kurosawa's talked about, like, John Ford being a massive influence, which is kind of funny when you think about it, because, like, Ford influenced Kurosawa, Kurosawa then influenced, like, Leone and Peckinpah. So you have, like, this weird evolution of the Western where it had to go halfway around the world in order to come back and basically be reinvented. And, like, you have that now with, uh, is it Unforgiven? The... You know, Unforgiven, the, yeah. the Clint Eastwood Western. That was remade as a samurai film starring uh, Ken... Uh, Ken oh, no. Abbey, yeah. Wow. Uh, which I really want to see. But it's basically, it's a samurai version of Unforgiven. So you get that, like, you know, um, Western influences yeah. samurai, influences Western, influences samurai again, which is just amazing to see, like, in terms of how you how you do this. Yeah, and stuff. I think that kind of helps, like, the films of Kurosawa and, the, like, all these samurai films help them kind of... Make get an audience internationally because the tropes are so recognisable. You know the the samurai versus the bandits, or you know the cowboy versus whoever. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the outlaws. Know. Yeah, yeah. The also bandits. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I so as as opposed to um, I, some of the other. Um, uh, yeah, like stalker. The, the... it's very hard to translate stalker. Um, <laughs> but to like American even film. even the uh, other Japanese movies on the list. So we <laughs> we yeah. had, uh, had uh, Marianne t- talking about Studio Ghibli and the uh, uh, ra- yeah. and uh, raccoons kind of u- using their scrotums to to, <laughs> to fly. Bounce. Yeah, to fly and bounce. It's like yeah, that's not an easy translation for Western <laughs> audiences to make. You no. can't see Disney sitting down in their meeting. Yeah. Like, Look, guys. <laughs> <laughs> new plan uh, but like this is the thing about Seven Samurai and it's like striking how much of like and, I, and we talked about at the start about how like this is my problem and not the movie's problem that I feel like I've seen so much of this before because a lot of the stuff that did for you know if it didn't do it the first that one thing the first time it did that one no. thing in concert with everything else the first time like Roger Ebert has argued that the scene in which you're introduced to Kanbei where he's shaving off his top knot, going in and dealing with a hostage situation. Uh, uh, Ebert, who you know knows much more about films than anybody, and for, you know had forgotten more about films than I will ever know, had argued that like this was the first time he'd seen that action movie trope where a hero is introduced doing something unrelated to the primary plot of the movie mm. in order to introduce you to their character. Yeah. And, like we joked earlier about like Sylvester Stallone and Cliffhanger, but this is exactly like Sylvester Stallone and Cliffhanger. But it's also like every James Bond intro ever, where you have like yeah, Sylvester Stallone in, in in the middle of the specialist beating up. <laughs> 
some people on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the uh, Mel Gibson in in um, Lethal, Lethal Weapon, Weapon handcuffing himself oh, to the guy yeah. jumping off the building. Yeah. Like it's a character establishing moment yeah. that has nothing to do with like the plot of the movie. Nobody gives. Nobody cares about that bandit or that kid in the temple. It's like they have no bearing on the plot as it's going to play out. But mm. this gives you a sense of who Kanbei is, really, mm. and that's sort of that's important. And it did a lot of stuff like that. It also the commentary on the like Criterion edition of the film basically argues that this is the first time in cinema that uh, they did a basically bring the band together plot, which is oh, yeah. what you expect now in an action movie where you have an ensemble. I feel like it, that's 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 probably one of the obstacles if people are approaching this film having never seen it before without knowing much going into it, they won't be they won't be surprised be like oh this is they think it's generic but not maybe mm. not knowing that this has actually informed everything that's followed you exactly because and then there was probably a movie after that was very influential which which had the point in the story where where the group <laughs> has to kind of like fall <laughs> out with each other yeah, and then yeah. come back together and sort of piece it together well like i mean to, to give you an example like even justice league the the movie earlier this or later mm. last year which was god awful. Oh. But one of the things about you say uh, movie in inverted commas. Yeah, I think the, I think I think the listener can hear the sound of me you know, wagging my fingers in the air there. But um, like one of the things about it was it was originally intended to be modeled on the Seven Samurai, but with superheroes. Like we got to the point where like the Seven Samurai is such a trope yeah. that you can do like there's an anime series which is the Seven Samurai in space. Uh, By the way, I, I rolled very heavily there. If, if uh, no one didn't realize <laughs> the, the notion that Justice League has. I cannot it's competing in this in this league, uh, but there is like a lot of the stuff that we sort of take for granted in terms of like action movie cinema, in terms of how we make films, is like rooted in in this. Like this is like you know it, we've talked, and it's interesting because one of the things about doing the two fifties, the two fifties a very populist list. It's been voted on. Mm. We talked before about how it has like it's it's very it leans very mainstream in some respects. It's got like a you know the the right age for the you know for the two fifty is to be fourteen in nineteen ninety nine, but like. You could argue that, like, um, the issue with, uh, not the issue with, Seven Samurai is like a proto-blockbuster in that it defined a lot of the the elements that worked so well here, uh, but other, like, Western directors would basically take on board and, like, make it part of the game plan. They'd be Mm. like, this stuff which was radical when you were watching at the time. And I mean, like, it's interesting because Japanese critics apparently responded reasonably mm. well to it they were sort of lukewarm to it mm. but when it screened overseas american critics uh, even at like two hours and 20 minutes as the original cut was and i believe actually the original translation of the title of seven samurai was the magnificent seven yeah um despite mm. the fact that we associate that now with obviously the yule brenner western yeah um but Her, like can i just say for a moment I mean, before the 250 sorry before the spoiler zone i should say we said to people now if you haven't seen the movie um <laughs> Watch it now and come back to us on the other side. If you haven't just ordered two pizzas, <laughs> a, a, a box of wings, some cookies, <laughs> you do that now and, 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 then, and then enjoy it in the way it's meant to be enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, the listeners may have picked up the fact that when we came back from the intermission, <laughs> we may have had additional pizza with us. But because this is, this is a long one. This is going to, you yeah. know, it's sort of like, there's a lot to unpack here. It's a long film. We're going to discuss it in a reasonable amount of depth, I think. But we're, we're, we're giving it the time it deserves. Yeah, I think, and, and properly so. We hope that people like slapping lips. <laughs> the sound, the sound <laughs> of mastication. Um, but no, I mean, um, it's, uh, Chris was saying it's very soothing. And like, yeah, uh, as somebody who's actually studied film, I'm going to take his word for that. People who masticate live longer. 
was um, Ernest Morgenheim's um, uh, trick to a long life. It was to masticate thoroughly. Yeah. Well, Every day. <laughs> Repeatedly. While filming. Well, let, let's, let's, um, actually, one of the things that I quite liked about, mm. and I mean, we're talking about the techniques that Kurosawa employed, and we talked a bit about, like, the use of telephoto lenses and deep focus and stuff like that to keep every aspect of the shot in. Mm. Like, that allowed him to do things like to film, uh, to do wonderful framing where he could have all of the seven samurai, to have, like, a cast of, like, seven primary characters where he would keep them all in the same shot at the same mm. time without having to worry about focus, without having to worry about the audience sort of shifting attention or eyes sort of moving mm. and stuff like that. But it also allowed for, like, wonderful compositions in terms of, like, there are some beautiful, beautiful shots in the film. Early in the film, there's a sequence where the villagers are talking about, like, it's the scene we talked about earlier where they're like, you know, well, if we hung ourselves and didn't pay taxes, then the government would care about us. Where one of the villagers gets up and sort of storms out and sort of sits down. And, like, because of the, the depth of the, the deep focus with the telephoto lens, it all seems very compressed. It seems almost mm. stylized. Mm. And you have, like, later on, like, when the villagers are, and particularly with food, because it... You, it was the mention of food and pizza that got this <laughs> neat sort of thing about this. was like, it's the moment where they're talking about the rice. Where, like, oh. after Kembe has basically, he's sort of signed up to protect them and he's, like, sympathetic to them. But the two guys from the city with the unibrows are like, well, you know, look at the amount of rice. They're eating millets so that you can have rice. Oh, and you yeah. it up and you can see the steam coming off. Yeah. 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 But yeah. you also you have can see the, the grains. So. Yeah, you can see the grains, the detail. But you also have the shot then when he extends his hand where the camera frames it so yeah. that the bowl of rice is in front of the farmers yeah. right and both the bowl and the farmers are in focus but because they're compressed they almost seem to be on top of one another so it looks like to your like to, to my eyes almost as if like the bowl is as you know up to the waist of the farmers yeah. it gives you a sense of how important the rice is to them mm. there's another moment later on where when the guys when they, they've gone off to the you know the village to samurais are off um <laughs> to recruit basically an army to defend the village where the, the old fool has fallen asleep and the, the you know the, the rice has been stolen. Yeah. And you get this wonderful shot and again it's it's a simple perspective thing where obviously the vase that held the rice is much closer to the camera than he is, but he's crouching down in a huddle in the back. Mm. And because they're both in focus, because you know it's not a foreground background shot, it looks almost as if the empty vase of rice is so much larger than he is mm. which is very effective sort of like conveying just physically and emotionally how important rice is so this is a movie about how important food is so i feel like it's appropriate <laughs> enough for us to be eating pizza about it but uh yeah you you have um sorry <laughs> you have the, 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 there's a moment as well when they arrive in the village and they're getting they're getting rice as payment in lieu of actual payment and the villagers are making them feel bad uh, about what they little give, they have. They have so they start the giving it back. back. Yeah. In spite of the fact that the villagers are just poor mouthing, they actually have like... <laughs> trays of food. Yeah. A trays of party food that they're just waiting for the right siege to sort of pop yeah. out. Vases <laughs> full of sake. Um, just for the special occasion, you know? Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's kind a, it's of a milky, party, you know? Um, sake. It looks like rice milk almost. The, mm. the, have you you drank sake, right? Yeah. What does sake taste like? As, as somebody who doesn't drink at all. Well, right? I, I, I I probably haven't had enough um, sake to. But the, the sake I've had is, has been like quite kind of 
dry, I guess, um, would be, be the best way to describe it. To, to somebody who's no other frame of reference for alcohol, <laughs> it's kind of difficult. No, no, I mean, like, okay, well, I know what wine tastes like, for example. I know beer Yeah, is... so it's more, it's, it's, um, I, w- I, w- I, w- I would say, not being an expert, that it's a little drier than, than, than wine. Than wine. Yeah. Interesting, because wine. wine is yeah. quite dry. Because even, yeah, white yeah. wine tends to be... And a quiet taste, it sounds like, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, mean, that's why they didn't share it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's <laughs> not because they're being stingy. Yeah. It's because this they thought when, the samurai wouldn't like it. This is when people people can take the opportunity to tweet their their thoughts about sake, and pro- probably the sake they were drinking in this movie would have tasted quite different mm. than the sake we have now. Similar to how white wine used to be much, um, the fashion was to have it like quite sweet. Interesting. In like the kind of nineteenth uh, century. Have they also before. argue that because of environmental factors, stuff like wine would taste different, uh, you know, a hundred, two hundred years ago than it does now? Oh yeah, because it had it had to kind of um, well, it was, it, some of it was it was because it had to travel, so it become Madeiraized, is what they call it. When mm-hmm. when because um, they used to have, like wine that grew in the Madeira Islands, but um, on the uh, the the boats would kind of shake and it becomes very 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 good red wine for wow. for for cooking, and then that, they 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 use the the kind of name of the islands to mean like when when wine kind of um, is shaken and sort of well, when it kind of oxidizes in the way that it, it does when it's generally bad wine but it, it it can be good for certain purposes. Take that, Madeira. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's why they made the cake as well, just to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> the cake is quite good, and not just for cooking, to be absolutely clear. Well, if you put a, c- a cake on a boat and shake it... <laughs> That's how you make a deer cake. <laughs> yeah. oh. um, I suppose something we haven't mentioned is the kind of... Um, the um, mo- moments of levity and uh, kind of um, uh, uh, comic relief, I yeah. suppose. And yeah. Because it, it does, it has a very good sense of tone. Like, we, we mm. joked earlier in the podcast about how, like, cynical and like almost nihilistic Kurosawa mm. is like you know we were born to suffer yeah um, and you know the afterlife is probably just as terrible as this world so you should just go on and die um, like, like a lot of the humor in Kurosawa movies comes from this kind of satire yeah of yeah. Of, of, of how kind of the world is <laughs> yeah yeah so it's sort of layered in this bleakness yeah yeah but you, you you also have these moments like kind of um Moments where we laughed during the movie, there was, there was like, I think a lot of it came came from um, uh, Kikuchiyo's <laughs> character, where where there was one where where he he's kind of entertaining the the children, and then he's like, "Any of you have any sisters? <laughs> hey, you, and you've got a sister. I hey, think he's hey, just hey. an attractive sister. Yeah, yeah, well. an attractive it's sister. Not like any and, sister. And the kids are like laughing along. <laughs> we're looking at this child laughing, and we're laughing. Yeah, it's like a little creepy. I think the adults, the adults are there, like having just been reassured that inviting male samurai yeah. to the village won't mean that their daughters and children are at risk. It's like, no, no, definitely. One bit that stood out to me was um, back to when we were recruiting the samurai in the town and and uh, the old bash, bash him over the head trick. Oh, yeah. was, and uh, one of the particularly terrified villagers would run behind a piece of wood, look terrified and, and stick his head <laughs> out waiting for it all to be over. Yeah. And then like the next time did it all again, so it made it funnier. It was great. <laughs> it was great. It's a great example of Kurosawa's like, set up. break. <laughs> pizza break apologies that's a great example of like Kurosawa's sort of set up and payoff that you have sort of mm. playing throughout the film where because you do one bit earlier you can then pay it off mm. later on so you can do stuff like have them fail to recruit 
samurai three times. <laughs> yeah, they do a rule of three, like yeah. their favorite thing in comedy. Yeah, like, mm. yeah, and then it works. Like the rule of three also works for drama, I think, as well. Yeah. Like it's it's primarily known for like comedic timing and stuff like that, mm. but it does work in terms of storytelling for drama. So you get like you mess up once and things are bad. You mess up twice and things are really bad. Yeah. But you get it right the third time, mm. and it, and it works just perfectly. So you know. Sometimes you get thrown about the street by an angry samurai. Sometimes you hire... I was actually really disappointed the drunk never came back into it. The drunk samurai who was, like, sleeping. He was like... He was a very poor samurai. In he was, oh, he was a yeah. terrible samurai. Yeah. And he ate like, the most out of any of them. Yeah, yeah. But I was sort of really... I was wondering if, like, he, you know, maybe he'd get a redemption. Mm. If he, like, you know... They're like, oh, my God, one of our samurai is dead. We're only six. And it's like, no... We're seven. And it's like, finally, this guy has his moment in the sun. Because early in the movie, he like he's basically lying uh, up on top. He wakes up. He's He cowers yeah. when yeah. the gamblers are like... Uh, I'll be honest, when I when that, first, that scene first happened, I was like, the way that that character was revealed, it was like, these kind of, the lads with the unibrows were like motioning towards a samurai out of shot, sleeping. I was like, oh no, we, we beat him early and we took all his money. It's like, oh right, so... This must be the hero yeah. the piece about to reveal arc. himself. Yeah. 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 Is that like, that's just, he's yeah. at his lowest ebb, yeah. so he's going to claw himself This off. is going to be Mifune coming down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, here he they, is. They managed to do stuff off camera, um, but still have the, this um, character who's, who's kind of like, as we said earlier, uh, well, as I said earlier, sort of superfluous to the story. Yeah. But not only that, there's more to his story than we're even showing. Yeah. Um, and there, there is, like, that's a great example because, yeah, there is a lot of stuff in the movie happens off screen that's explained. And, like, you know, the general rule of screenplay writing is, you know, show, don't tell. But mm. the movie tells so well and it's three and a half hours long that you're like, I cannot, I, like, I don't need a scene of them hiring this drunken, like, you know, Give me all your rice, samurai who stumbles up top. I can hear that and then have him stumble down, be embarrassed by like a you know, a sumo wrestler who can't even like remember to face the right way. There's a great scene where the, the guy who's lying down in like his, his sort of loincloth and they sort of pat him on the buttocks to wake him up and he gets up in his fighting position, facing the wrong direction. <laughs> And, like, this samurai, this, like, bargain basement samurai is still like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> nobody... I've, I've met my match here. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody told me there was going to be fighting. Um, nobody told me they faced the right way. Um, but it is. It, it's really, really well done. And I think it sort of it underscores, like, mm. how effective the storytelling is that you have that sort of... He's scared of that guy. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he, backs into he looks corner. a little bit sleepy, a little bit out of weight. Yeah. He's also quite uh, out of shape. He's also quite fat. So I'm scared. Yeah. But to be, to be fair, you say as if the samurai himself isn't like a little out of shape, a little beefy, a little tired. Um, you know, having just woken up and then climbing back into his little bed to go back asleep as well, yeah. which it's... makes it extra depressing. And then never seen again. I was say, do you reckon he woke up the following morning and was like, hey, <laughs> where are my villagers at? His granddad was a great samurai. <laughs> He's really disappointed <laughs> with him. Like, yeah. this, this is kind of... Kind this of, is the problem with uh, the past system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his scroll is immaculate. Um, like, his little scroll and personal record that he would have shown Kembe would have got him right in the Oh, door. yeah. Um, Check out my CV, lads. Yeah. I mean, my, my grandfather did some really awesome stuff. Um, but yeah, like I feel like even little characters like that mm. in the film feel lived in, which is yeah. like a really remarkable... And even like the leader of the bandits with his eye patch. You know nothing about him beyond the fact that he doesn't like people who deserve... He likes barley. 
Uh, and he's got an eye patch. Yeah. Um, but he still sort of seems like you still recognise him in group shots. You still yeah. like you still feel like you. Well, that's <laughs> it. Like he made his he made his uh, villains almost caricatures. Like I mean, yeah. the fact that your man he's has an eye patch. patch. He has a gun, so he, he he shoots on the samurai, and then when he's confronted by Mifune's character, he's like, you know, yeah, like cool. like <laughs> clown, like yeah. falls over and dies. Fun, funny thing is that the bandits kind of have a look to them uh, to the extent that um, when um, Toshiro Mifune's character go um, goes and, and witnesses the two deserters being killed, he, he puts on a few kind of like accessories like and and uh, immediately blends in as kind of one of theirs he he looks like he, he the, the 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 way he's dressed he looks like kind of like one of the uh, amazonians in temascara yeah a little bit well yeah. because there's a lot of like we, we talked a little bit earlier about like the cameras like objectifying shots of like the one female character mm. in the film where she's introduced bending down which, washing which her hair. we feel very comf- un- uncomfortable uh, discussing yeah. but yeah. what we're very comfortable discussing on the 250 it's men's bodies, bodies. Yeah. <laughs> and the seven samurai is packed <laughs> full of men's bodies there was it's there was a a, a lot quite, of loincloth a lot of loincloth there was that scene that there was a bit of a gratuitous money shot where the camera pans around and it's like full screen buttocks and then straight past. So wow. Yeah, no, there's a lot of that. And even like the, the samurai armor, like, you know, it's, there's a sense that like we, we couldn't get the whole samurai armor. We could only get the top. So uh, you're going to have to wear a thong. Didn't yeah. focus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to have to focus on just one part of the anatomy. Because um, it does have that, yeah, that sort of like Al Pacino esque quality. I already got a great. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's, it's interesting in terms of like this being like a PG 13 film and stuff. Mm. It's actually quite remarkable how much uh, male glutamus maximus there is. Yeah. Glutamus to the maximus. That's right, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, you mentioned earlier about um, kind of the Hollywood transition and how they all informed each other. One thing I enjoy, really enjoyed about Seven Samurai, watching it today for the first time, was the difference, the fact that the bandits were almost absent. Yeah. And then when they, when they, when they um, transferred that template to the Western... It's like, yeah, they, they give the, the, Eli the Wallach, They actually yeah. cast a character mm. actor and give him some meat. And I mean, even the, have you seen the remake, the, the Antoine Buckwell yes. one, where basically the, the bad guy has his own story that's yeah. almost as like strong as the one focusing yeah. on Denzel Washington. Which I, f- I felt Seven Samurai was stronger in the fact that like it found complexity and depth in the characters who you expect to be just, you know, sidelined. The, the villagers are actually hoarding all this great food here so like they're actually assholes themselves <laughs> there's a bit more and, depth to it yeah yeah and the, the samurai aren't perfect themselves either but like you, that's kind of lost then in the transition to Hollywood oh, a bit I've, also, I've been thinking about this a lot lately with regards to particularly modern American films and modern blockbusters in general there's a tendency I think to think that plot is the sole focus mm. of a movie and that like so you want if you want a better movie you want more plot in there like mm. you want more stuff happening you want more stuff happening to more people <laughs> like you want like a avengers infinity war will have something like 400 named characters in it and all this mm. sort of stuff happening in it um but like and like you have this this situation now where and we talked about this in the podcast before where you like 
you take a movie where it would normally end and then you throw an entire like new third act in on top of it. Now I think The Dark Knight does it very well, but it's a great example of that where like you have Batman beat the Joker and then you've got the, the Harvey Dent stuff crammed in at the end and yeah. it's not the only film to have done that recently. Mm. Like you have, I think Skyfall had another point where it kind of almost could have ended and then you heap another bit on top. I think Spectre... Not, had to, a not, not to name check Home Alone again, but like that's the, the <laughs> Home Alone final act. It's like Yeah, that sort of stuff. Like mm. and, and more on top, of, like again, so it's... You, you have story and then you cram more story in because the idea is now, I think, when it comes to storytelling, mm. that how you tell stories is more. And I think mm. that, like, when you talk about, like, the Magnificent Seven, like, having more plot for its villains, mm. I think that's largely it. So the, the two, the Magnificent Seven films are both shorter than yeah. Seven Samurai. Like, most films are shorter than Seven Samurai. But they have a lot more going on in terms of plot, which yeah. is very weird. Because, like, I mean, the Antoine Fuqua version, which is grand. I mean, it's a Denzel Washington film. Ethan Hawke is great in it. Yeah. I think you pointed out Vincent D'Onofrio's voice. Yeah. Which... I, that was my most memorable part <laughs> of that movie. Yeah. But, like, it, it has a lot happening in it. And the bad guy, he's given an arc and a motivation. Yeah. He's given, like, a three-act structure. He's got, like, a relationship with his father. Mm. He's, you know, he's doing bad guy stuff. It's like, he's got, like, this whole thing going on. He's got his whole kit and caboodle. As compared to, and you're right to say, like, the bandits have... Yeah. nothing going on bandits like mostly just seem to check out they're yeah. like wanna hang out at the fortress let's hang out at the fortress but they, no, they, I, I don't mean to like um, I actually love the Magnificent Seven the, the yeah. Yul Brynner version um, and the Denzel Washington ones Grant, Grant yeah. yeah but like I feel like the Seven Samurai is um, it's less signposted plot wise like you yeah. mean like a classic western it's like recruit the guys this is the bad guy because he has this arc and stuff yeah. And it's 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 obviously more Hollywood and of its time yeah. and stuff, but like I enjoy I enjoyed this because it was it was less so it was pared back like it was it wasn't well, I mean, yeah, guns blazing it wasn't guns blazing and it wasn't even like um, like in the American versions the villagers are generally portrayed as like these romantic settlers or like they're yeah. idealized versions like we've talked about how in the Seven Samurai the villagers are kind of assholes. <laughs> Um, and the film sort of like has that depth to it and that nuance yeah. to it. And I think like well, they, they rescued a prisoner of war. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and then beat him. Kanbei has this whole kind of um, like moral. He standard. says whoa 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 whoa, and then he explains why it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. They all kind of listen to him, <laughs> and then the woman comes along with like a pick. It's like, and it's like oh, let me explain. She has her own special way of wreaking vengeance on this on this person who's innocent of the crime that she. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, and then we just she needs to do this for 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 for, for her son. Yeah. yeah. And our satisfaction. Um, but yeah. So you see how. <laughs> all that stuff you said was very important. Not just all very deeply thought about it, gave it a great deal of thought, talked yeah. it over. But yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I think... We're going to go with the vigilante justice <laughs> yeah. 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 It's more fun. Yeah. And I mean, you wouldn't get and that the, in an American like, All the villagers are like, oh, okay, yeah. We're yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're in that. We it's, talked for a second we weren't going to do that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the last argument wins logic, basically. It's like that bit in meetings where you're in a meeting and if you just want to end, all you do is you wait till the end where everybody's fought and is exhausted and made their point and you just throw an idea out there and say, look, you know, this is the compromise, even if it's not the compromise, and dare other people to disagree yeah. with you. And everyone's just like, I want the meeting to end. Yeah. We're going to stab him with an ice pick. <laughs> the, the, the la, la, last time I was, I was kind of, uh, I think it was uh, yesterday or the day before, I was drinking with my parents, which is always great fun. <laughs> and and, and, and they, 
um, there was like a discussion of, of whether I was going to have a drink or whether I was going to drive him home. So we just kind of like um, <laughs> steered towards it, kind of. I, I'm 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 going to have a drink, <laughs> and, and, and then it's like, and then the the, I, I, the conversation was almost over. It's like, ah, oh, sure, you you can have a drink tomorrow night, and but then like <laughs> and later on in the evening, you kind of like forgot that that was the 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 last part that we had ended the discussion on, and just kind of decided that that the discussion ended when everyone thought it ended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there is an element of that, I think, to how the villagers sort of conduct themselves. Yeah. But I mean, and you wouldn't get that in an American film, though. Mm. Like, because you, you would have, like, I mean, and even at, like, at the time this was made, you'd have the Hayes Code, so you have to have this whole morality thing going on. But even mm. now, like, the two Magnificent Seven movies, which are relatively cynical, because they end in the same place. Yeah. Like, not all seven heroes survive, and, you know, the losses that we suffer, and it's very sad. Mm. And But they're nowhere near as cynical mm. and almost nihilistic in places as this Kurosawa film is, yeah. which predates them both, is in black and white, and is mm. shot in the old Academy ratio, mm. which is remarkable watching it now, that it, it has that sort of, like, cynicism that's absent from the films that it inspired. Yeah. I mean, like, even the Star Wars films. Like, I mean, I would argue that, no, even Empire Strikes Back isn't as bleak about the human condition as, like, Kurosawa's... It's, 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 a, it's a Kirchner movie. So, uh, yeah. Like Robocop 2. Yeah. <laughs> Obligatory Robocop 2 reference. <laughs> Second. Yeah. <laughs> but there is. And uh, you've got them in order as well this time. But I, I feel like... It's yeah. a Japanese movie. Like <laughs> Robocop 3. <laughs> We are three for three at this point. But yeah, it's remarkable. Like this movie had to go overseas to be to be mm. found, to be discovered, and like to be the cornerstone. Because Kurosawa had won the um, the Golden Bear at Venice for Rashomon in nineteen fifty. Yeah, and he was already sort of respected overseas and stuff. But this was basically this made him like a, a much bigger brand overseas, mm. and it we made him one of the first Japanese filmmakers to break overseas um, in terms of like getting Japanese films on American mm. screens, which was remarkable given some of the anxieties I think that existed culturally about like Japan and American yeah. culture. They renamed the Japanese orange the Mandarin because of, because of how they felt about the Japanese. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's why it's called a Mandarin. Never knew that. Even though it doesn't come from China. No. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a New Year's or Christmas tradition in Japan to 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 uh, that's why Terry's chocolate oranges as well. Okay, or like a, a, a Christmas thing. But it was in Japan, but they've been rebranded and sort of. And it's it'll become a tradition in the, I think the Japanese community in Canada, if I'm correct. I'm not googling any of this. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, maybe completely off base, but yeah, and and that it kind of um, became a thing in the United States as well. But during World War Two, they had to stop calling them Japanese oranges because. No one would want to uh, buy Buy Japanese oranges. Similar to like French's mustard. Oh yeah, being (laughs) rebanded and freedom fries. Freedom fries. Well, I mean, to be fair, the French, yeah. Um, They're French. (laughs) (laughs) Two things I hate. (laughs) (laughs) People who are intolerant of other people based on their culture and And the the Dutch. But yeah. In fairness, the French. <laughs> I didn't let you finish. You but. didn't let me finish. But we're saying, like, in fairness, like the the attitude towards the Japanese during the Second World War was like largely down to um, was largely down to the fact that they were the enemy fighting like in the Axis side, yeah. um, as opposed to like the attitude towards the French like in the early years of the twenty first century, which was largely down to the fact that they had a minor disagreement over policy and were the French. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like if you're not with us 
you cause September 11th. <laughs> if, if, if you're not if you're not behind us, then you're, you're worse than the terrorists. <laughs> to be absolutely clear, and we will rebrand you apparently. Because at least they're not pretentious. They don't wear those silly berets. And, yeah, no. they, they, <laughs> they just call them. Uh, yeah. They, Sorry. They just call them chips fries, isn't that it? Yeah. Freedom fries? I don't know. That, yeah, it might be apocryphal. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, freedom fries was a thing, apparently. Too. I think so. And yeah. there was a thing with French mustard, the only yeah. thing French about our mustard, is our, is our, our name. name. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was... Was it, was it like, uh, like, was it, was it the, what did, in uh, the Pulp Fiction? Oh, Le, 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 Le Big Mac. Big Mac. <laughs> Le Big Mac. <laughs> what do they call, what do they call it? Yeah, quarter pounder. No. Yeah, no, it's a royale, yes, yeah, sir. Oh. What they call a whopper, yes, that's it, sorry. Darren will get there eventually. Mm. Sorry, the, the argument was that this was, for many Americans, this would have been the first exposure to mm. Japanese culture outside of the US propaganda films that have been produced during the Second World War. Um, so, for example, which would have obviously been horribly racist. Um, like, you could, if you want to get a sense of those, you can look at the 1944 Batman serial. Uh, which is on, uh, which is available on like YouTube and stuff like that because it's it's lapsed copyright. Yeah. But it's it's during the Second World War and the bad guy is a Japanese sort of uh, saboteur. And yeah, it's as culturally sensitive as you you would think that it was. But like one of the things about like Kurosawa's film, like Rashomon, first of all, but this in particular because this like this broke out in a way that like mm. Rashomon was a, a critical darling and like Rashomon was like beloved they, by directors. They interned the Japanese during the yeah, yeah. George like Takei's Takei's family. Mm. George Takei's family were like and, I mean, and other families. Yeah, <laughs> not just George Takei. <laughs> but I mean, like, was it uh, Bad Day at Black Rock? Is the one with Spencer Tracy, which is about that that sort mm. of treatment of the Japanese during the Second World War, where he goes to a a small town to investigate, to basically follow up on the one Japanese resident uh, there, only to discover that the residents murdered him. Um, in an ending fitting of a Kurosawa film. Um, but yeah, there's, there was this whole sort of thing, and there was an argument that basically Kurosawa's, like Japanese films like Rashomon and like Seven Samurai, when they came over in the States, they represent the first time that American audiences had really had a chance mm. to see a Japanese culture that was different from that portrayed in the propaganda films around the same time, around during the Second World War. Mm. Because it's an endlessly fascinating culture. Yeah. E- even though, like, uh, Kurosawa is borrowing so much from the kind of Western tradition of mm. cinema ma- ma- making to this, there, 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 there's, there's something so kind of, e- even to this day, endlessly fascinating and kind of unique about Japanese mm. culture, where you, you, you get a sense going to Japan that it is like another planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as opposed to kind of like you, 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 you go Visiting to other places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it, 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 feels, it feels so familiar in so many ways. Yeah. As, as, especially like as an English-speaking person going over to Japan, maybe being used to going abroad and, and just having this, this, <laughs> this um, Swiss army knife in English language where <laughs> you can... Everybody uh, speaks yeah. it. <laughs> we don't have to learn other languages. Yeah. Everybody else will learn the language that we speak. Yeah. Um, we are Irish people, to be absolutely clear on this podcast. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, there is an element of, of that to it. Because mm. when you go over the continent... I remember going to France and, like, as a, like, leaving cert student, having learnt lots of French and thinking, I'm going to learn French, I'm going to talk French to French people. But when you talk bad French to French people, they respond to you in English. Oh, yeah. And, um, this is why we have freedom fries. We're, we're, but, um, <laughs> no, no, they, they don't like the, having we're, their we're language spoken. Yeah. That's understandable. Yeah, and, yeah, and like, yeah, there's yeah. also an element of our education system is so much better than yours because I can speak your language much better yeah. than you can attempt to speak. Sometimes, whenever that happens to me, I like, oh, I feign, you know, 
you know, I'm so insulted, but actually I'm delighted. Like, <laughs> it's God, easier. I don't have to try French anymore. Yeah, so yeah. The conversation is going to be so much easier. Yeah. In, in, in parts of Catalonia, you'll try to speak Spanish and they'll speak back to you not in English, but in Catalan. Oh, God. <laughs> Just to prove a point. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, and you... they, they'll pretend that they don't understand sometimes. Well, in my limited um, experience of it, and I'm sure it was a lot to do with my poor kind of attempts at Castilian but um, uh. anyway but uh, yeah so is there anything else in terms of Seven Samurai that we haven't talked about already that we want to talk about or on back is there anything any aspect of the film that we haven't discussed probably <laughs> <laughs> given that it is three hours and like a half long um, and yeah. it's yeah it well, is uh, yeah, we'll, a we'll, we'll, mammoth film in, mm. in just about every sense yeah I know there's probably sways of film we've missed but well, we'll we can save it for another another episode later <laughs> on. Exactly. So, Chris, what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to use the random number generator to pick the movie on the two fifty that we'll be discussing next week on the show. Excellent. So, what we're going to do is, Andrew, would you mind cranking up the uh, random number generator there, just making sure that it's it's good to go? Thank you. <laughs> oh, it sounds like it really needs a little bit of oil, actually. <laughs> Normally, it cranks a little bit more smoothly. But we haven't I mean, used it in a little while. Yeah. It just needs some tender care. Don't I thought it was. It like I that. thought it was the accountant fixed up. <laughs> I suppose they're, they're not really a, kind of. They're below here, his pay grade. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're to watch. He's the observer. He cannot. Uh, you know, he cannot participate. No, like the watcher. The watcher. Yeah. Yes. God, it's so, better than I thought. I thought you know. Random number generators could be smaller than this these days. Well, hey, look, you want to be on another random number generating <laughs> podcast, Chris, you go and do that. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. Okay, here we go. Random number generator. Twist, twist, twist. <laughs> Show us a movie on this list. And I got a sneaking suspicion that the, uh, the movie that we've landed on maybe um, maybe one that we've seen before, but let's take a look and see. Well, it is a steampunk uh, random number generator. <laughs> it's not perfect. It doesn't actually have all 250 movies in there. No, um, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like we can... It, it's, it's, it, 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 it just has, has all of these kind of um, little cards with punch holes on them. Yeah. Oh, no, it isn't, actually. Um, number 194 is... Oh, very good. And if you'd care to say that, <laughs> you can't deduce what it is. From well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm building tension here. It is. Oh, maybe I was supposed to, seeing as I had it in my hand. <laughs> it is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Damn it, Andrew! Somebody can only work the random number generator and the IMDb list once at a time. Even over this. Damn it, we need to get more efficient at this. They can't, they can't know all our secrets. <laughs> oh, otherwise, they control just, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. They just replace us. So what we're going to do is... I'm trying to throw you a boner, Andrew. <laughs> but anyway, so we'll take a look at the, uh, at the trailer, basically. Why do you want to be a lobby boy? Who wouldn't? At the Grand Budapest, sir. And so my life began. Junior lobby boy in training under the strict command of Monsieur Gustav H. Many of the hotel's most valued and distinguished guests came for him. I love you. I love you. She was dynamite in the sack, by the way. She was 84. Mm, I've had older. This was also when I met Agatha. She's charming. She's so charming. Is he flirting with you? Yes. I approve of this union. I became his pupil, and he was to be my counselor and guardian. The police are here. Tell them I'll be right down. 
She's been murdered, and you think I did it. Hey! Stop! You're looking so well, darling. You really are. I don't know what sort of cream they've put on you down at the morgue, but I want some. This is Madame D's last will and testament. To Monsieur Gustave H, I bequeath a painting known as Boy with Apple. Wow. What? Who's Gustave H? I'm afraid that's me, darling. If I learn you ever once laid a finger on my mother's body, living or dead... I go to bed with all my friends. We need to make a plan for your survival. Hide this. It's in code and you might need a magnifying glass to read it, but it tells you exactly where and how to find Boy with Apple. I'm a baker. I'm not a fence, if that's the term. I want roadblocks at every junction for 50 kilometers. I want rail blocks at every train station for 100 kilometers. Get in! I want 50 men and 10 bloodhounds ready in five minutes. You can't arrest him simply because he's a bloody immigrant. Take your hands off my lobby boy! Have been questioned by the authorities? Yes, on one occasion. What, what, what? I was arrested and tortured by the rebel militia after the mm -hmm. desert uprising. Right. Well, you know the drill then. Zip it. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the more is more school of trailers, I think. Yeah. A lot of them yeah. would be in there. Well, like, you, you couldn't really leave. Uh, <laughs> you, I, I mean, you wouldn't want to. What, what that uh, trailer seems to get across is. Do you like Wes Anderson? <laughs> well, this is the most Wes Anderson <laughs> of, films. of Wes Anderson films. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chris, you won't be back talking about it next week, but you've seen it before, I assume. Are you a fan? I have, and I am. I think, yeah, like you say, there's a lot in that trailer, but it just brought back so many <laughs> it good memories. Such, like, it's so sugar-coated. Yeah. It looks like a gigantic... It's like one of those pastries they're carrying around. It's got this wonderful pink and white sort of thing going on. It's got Ray Fiennes being like... And, like it's amazing because... like. Ray Fiennes is a serious actor, dear yeah. boy, and he's he's so camp. It's amazing. It's an absolute joy. But myself and Andrew will talk about that next week. Enjoy. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming in to talk to us, Chris. It was no worries. Thanks for having pleasure. me. No. Yeah, thank you very much. Chris. It was, and it was yeah, great to finally have you on a year and a half after we initially planned to. Yeah. Well, hey, I came for the pizza. I stayed for the, <laughs> the <Pizza>. film chat. <laughs> If they're having a crisis of Chris, they could uh, find me on Twitter where I just ramble on specific things. Uh, Chris Lavery Six on Twitter. That's you know that's me. Perfect, uh, Andrew. Where can we find you? Uh, also on Twitter. So I'm competing. <laughs> with Chris. We'll, we'll, we'll compare the number of followers after this. Yeah, I don't know if there's room for two, two people <laughs> using Twitter on a podcast. <laughs> what, uh, I hope by the way, guys, not also on. Twitter. Yeah, this is going to be really awkward. Um, three for three. Yeah. A A Q U I N N I U Q A. Perfect. I am on Letterboxd. <laughs>
Oh. Yeah, which nobody is. But you can follow me on there and get my film reviews or opinions as they're going. I run the movie blog. I am also on Twitter at Darren underscore Mooney. Letterboxd um, is a thing all the teens are on, is it? I don't think so. I no, think no, no, it's, no. it's more like middle-aged Kubrick fans. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near as cool as... It's not like Instagram. It's like, yeah. you log a film, but it's there for 30 seconds, and then it's deleted forever. It's like, if you want to get Darren's hot take, you have to be on the web service when you get it. Uh, it's like Snapchat, but for like cinephiles. The most exclusive reviews you can get. Yeah, that's it. It only flashes up for 30 seconds, which is something when the reviews are 8,000 words long. <laughs> Like I think he liked it, um, but yeah, I'm also on Twitter, uh, which is much more important, much more accessible. Darren underscore Mooney. The podcast is available on SoundCloud, on iTunes, anywhere where you can listen to good podcasts. We also have a Twitter feed, the two fifty, spelt with using real letters. So join us next week when we'll be covering Grand Budapest Hotel. Until then, take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.